0: What is up friends and family it's time for another episode of hype is my superpower i'm one of your hosts steve storm in brooklyn new york and joining you via the miracles of modern technology it's my good buddy will freeland well how's it going man
1: it's going uh, pretty solid it was, a, it was a wild week just in comics yeah, uh, I've been hyped on comics. I uh, I read more than we were assigned. So we talked about doing dawn ten, eleven, twelve, and yeah, we both. I just, read just kept a going. Way. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It's it's been fun. I so there is, I have so many notes to talk about. I, I, <laughs> I hope we can do this in a uh, structured, acceptable, <laughs> easily coherent way. <laughs> yeah, we'll see.
0: We'll see. Oh we'll... man, mm-hmm. I've had a really good week. Rachel's brother was in town and his wife and just a lot of good hanging out wandering around the city when you're hungry you grab a bite to eat when you feel like a drink grab a drink and just kind of take it all in and explore and it's just one of my favorite activities to do and it's really nice to to share that with uh, somebody else kind of show them the little bit of New York that I've managed to learn about in the last 2 years more than mm-hmm. half of which is you know shuttered by pandemic but nonetheless. And now I'm like, you know, next week I'm going upstate to see a friend. And then the week after that, I'm going to a wedding. And it's just like, remember being busy, right? (laughs) Remember having plans so strange (laughs) and just like having to schedule things like two or three weekends out and be like, Oh, I am doing this thing. And I can't do this other thing because I'm doing things.
1: Right? (laughs) Oh man, the potential for double booking is real again. Oh,
0: and I'm the worst double booker ever. Yeah. So it's it's you know, getting used to it, getting getting back in Uh the swing of things, life returning to the world. So yeah. So that's that was my week, and of course, a nice full week of Don of X. Oh my Uh, goodness. And we this is another giant-size Don of X podcast in four Listeners, uh, just to remind you, we read Dawn of X Volumes 10 through 12. Uh-huh. And I have to say, my initial feeling of these books, it, they felt kind of like, not exactly wheel spinning, but not like propulsive either, you know, just kind of yeah. like wandering around. And I realized it's because in these three volumes, there wasn't a single issue of X-Men.
1: Yep, I was going to say that. <laughs> yep.
0: Yep. I know, uh, X-Men, one issue of X-Force. Yeah, it was really different.
1: Yeah, I had that thought while reading volume 11. And I looked at the back, and volume 11 is the only Dawn of X volume that has no issues written by Hickman. Oh. He's just not, he's not credited on the back of mm-hmm. 10. And I was like, oh strange. And yeah, I totally agree. It, it doesn't necessarily feel like less, but it's definitely slower. Yeah. If it feels it feels like, hey, this is also happening. Yeah.
0: You know, we're, we're getting in depth in some of these side stories and I love me some side stories. It's a really the way that you feel sort of a depth and a lived in feeling on the island in Krakoa, but uh-huh. it's not, um, I mean, so much of Hickman, and his storytelling mode is about planting seeds, right? Mm-hmm. And putting little little of this here and a little of that there in order to have the giant, insane payoffs later, and just littering the ground with tons of mysteries. And instead of that, you know, we got some plot going, uh, although. We only got, what, one issue of X-Force and one issue of Marauders, I believe?
1: Yeah, one Marauders issue, two total Excalibur issues. Right, and two New Mutants, right? Uh, Three New Mutants. Three New Mutants,
0: okay. But this is, again, not the same New Mutants story as Bobby in space. Yeah, this is a third arc
1: already for the New Mutant
0: uh, squad. So we're kind of far away already, I guess it's 10 volumes, so already isn't quite right. But we're pretty far away from what felt like the sort of coherent start of Don of X and kind of wandering around into the weeds and exploring different storytelling options. And again, I'm I'm enjoying it.
1: Yeah, Uh, it's just different. Yeah, it's giving it the chance to look at some of the other big players on, even just specifically the Quiet Council. Yes. And kind of like this is also what they're doing. Like we've gotten snippets here and there. We've gotten like, wait, what is that person? Do? But like in these three volumes, there's a lot more of just like Magneto is involved in this. Yeah. Sinister has Sinister. been involved in this. Yeah. And, and there's a lot more of that been going on. So that's, it's, been, it's been fun. I liked it. Yeah, me too. Well, with that okay. as a preface, should we get started? <laughs> right. Okay, so volume 10. I have my notes separated out by volume and then by issue. I do too. (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) Um, So the first issue in the volume is X-Force number 10. Mm -hmm. And this is following up on the Terra Verde biotechnological stuff that's going on. So for those who didn't listen to our last giant size podcast... The main kind of thing is Terra Verde was kind of pioneering this whole plant technology hybrid thing going on. They were going to be the next big thing. And then Krakoa just exploded out of nowhere and literally put them in like the gutter. Yeah, And they started cutting corners. They started trying new things without experimenting, not going through the right processes, just so they could try to catch up to Krakoa. And then all of a sudden, the country just went completely black and no communications were coming out. So Beast has been apparently keeping an eye on Terra Verde and sends X-Force to be like, hey, go find out what's going on. But it turns out that he's been doing more than that. But it turns out in this issue... Terra Verde's problems stemmed from Beast. Yeah. From Beast's meddling. Yeah. And that is my second uh, note on here. But like, I just have Terra Verde is Beast's fault and he's okay with it. He, it was a small miscalculation, he, quote unquote.
0: Yeah. He's, he's, uh, apparently now he's a tough man, hard choices, you know, make an omelet, cracks some eggs type
1: character. Further further jumping into my conspiracy theory (laughs) tinfoil hat yeah he is not right or yeah what if all this time this was dark beast because we haven't seen dark beast oh which is kind of sort of lame because we already did this of him yeah. pretending to be Beast, and he yeah, never yeah. says, "Oh, my stars and garters." And then the one time he does, one when... anyway. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, this you is can,
0: you can imprison me, you can impersonate me, but to try and ape my catchphrase that I've worked so hard to coin—that is the last <laughs> straw. Punches
1: that him was in the jaw. Hilarious. And I remember <laughs> when he showed me that issue, I was like, yeah. <laughs> "Cool." <laughs> but yeah, and so the issue starts like the prologue for the issue is because we left Quentin Quire, Logan and Domino going into this temple. We right. started with that. And then they got to a good breaking point to do the title page. And then we get this uh, log book from beast of him acknowledging. Yeah. I uh, miscalculated with how I was messing with Terra Verde's tech. And turns out my meddling made it so that the plant would take over the host mind and run amok. Oh, well, like in his own notes he's just like well you know it was a small miscalculation but in the end it's gonna ultimately benefit us us being Krakoa right so worth it and very yeah Excuse you excuse all of you very uncomfortable characterization for beast I get I get that he's not he's been used as one but he's not a medical doctor so he hasn't taken the Hippocratic oath but oh (laughs) my goodness how here? He, yeah, I think he might actually be a medical doctor. I know In, he has like a PhD. I don't yeah. know if he's an MD. Right. He,
0: but, oh he my, goodness. he's done a lot of doctorly things, but yes. again, exactly. Uh, that's what, that's goes, what I was saying it's goes like... goes back into the every science guy does everything.
1: Exactly. And... <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah. And then we also have a conversation between Logan and Domino. Logan's like, Are you sure? And Domino's like, Yeah, I, I have my reset. What what of it? I know what happened. Yeah, I've moved on. Yeah, I haven't not even I have moved on. It's it's it didn't happen to me. <laughs> right. It's um, it, And I yeah. accept that this yeah. is gone
0: and and it it feels right. Which, again, just such a so unsettling. Yeah. Um, Black Tom marching in. Uh, Black Tom gets to be the hero. Uh, and and then inevitable fight scene, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but then uh, the confrontation between Gene and Hank. Yeah, it was really felt like the the meat, like the emotional meat of this issue, kind of the scene that everything else hinged around.
1: Yeah, it's Jean basically finding out telepathically that Beast did this and it's his fault and he feels no guilt about it. Yes. And she's just like you are out of control and getting into sort of the limits
0: and the nature of this cia spy craft Mm -hmm. x force is saying like he's like well we do spy shit we're a nest of lies a team of lies we are a deniable operations team and she says no like the lies are for the humans not for us you still have to be accountable yeah, yeah, accountable to the Quiet Council, and yep. so,
1: and that is something that we easily forget is that Jean's on the Quiet Council, right? As yeah. a member of X Force, she's on the Quiet
0: Council. Hank she is. Not. She is the X Force liaison on the Quiet Council,
1: right? Yeah. My other note is Quentin Quire is harvested slash dead again.
0: Again, they love so killing that dude. I. You know what? I got in a conversation with our mutual friend Jamie. I was defending Quentin Quire. And after the way he's been written in this X Force, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of annoyed with this guy now. He's, well, there's a charm to being like, I don't know. I was once a teenage shithead who mm-hmm. just was convinced that I was the smartest guy in the world, you know, and there's something like relatable and, and that can be kind of fun in
1: that character. Right. But yeah, they haven't really given him a chance to do that in x-force
0: no they've taken out the charm and just had him be an an annoying teenager and the psychic shotgun thing is just like it was kind of cool at first like oh that's a novel idea you know like use of psychic powers but now it's like it's just too video
1: gamey to me well now it's just a gun right when they first introduced it that was how he he used those psychic bullets to get into their brain and Mm -hmm. exert psychic control over them now it's an actual just physical gun Right, (laughs) which he was inspired by Psylocke because she uses swords and she makes Psy swords, which is was different than when she first started using Psy knives to like Mm -hmm. impale people and like cut their higher motor, higher brain functions. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, and then she started just having blades that she could create, and they were physical blades that actually cut. Yeah, like just that entire idea. Once you show it at inception and it's cool. That's great. But then when that becomes their go-to weapon and it no longer, it just becomes a brandished weapon. Yeah. Yeah. "Ah."
0: There's (laughs) nothing like unique
1: about it anymore. Uh Uh-huh. But the art on A Harvested Quentin was- Oh yeah. With the flowers in his eyes. Yeah. Holy crap. That was really cool.
0: (laughs) It also brought in the phrase techno-biological malware. (laughs) Yeah. I really like that.
1: I felt that to your point with the Gene beast scene being kind of the meat of the issue, they wrap this up real quick. Yeah. Like Jean just, Oh, so actually two page scene. Me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it really is a two page scene. Calvary with Jean Sage and black Tom show yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, the very two pages Gene later. She's, and then they're back. Yeah. 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 It's, it's insane, but okay.
0: So along with Sage Liefeld here with a million pockets. Yeah. That was funny. Um, it's like you got the measles but the measles is
1: pockets (laughs) (laughs) so I was thinking about it because I was looking at at Jean Marvel girl Phoenix whatever she goes by now uh, right in Dawn and especially in this issue and all of a sudden I remember back (laughs) to Mm. X-Men Red which was the team that she was on right after she just recently got resurrected okay it only went for two volumes okay and I imagine the writer is very thankful <laughs> that Donna happened because in the first volume, it ended with Jean gathering all of the smartest people, like all of the top people in all of their fields from politics to science to geography, all these top officials. And she was like, hey, I want your permission to let me copy all of your intelligence I'm going to take all of your knowledge and I'm going to formulate a plan to save the world, to bring about world peace, sorry, to bring about world peace. And she takes that and goes and builds her team based on that cell, her X-Men team. And their entire goal is to bring about world peace. And it went for a second issue and it was good, but they never actually said on paper what her plan is. Anytime she was trying to sell someone on it, she just told them psychically and then they'd be on board. And so they never actually had to say officially within 616 canon, this is how you achieve world peace. And I just, I feel like they're just, they got out of a very sticky situation (laughs) (laughs) that if that's not how, if that ends up not working out, then they're completely wrong. And so with the introduction of House of X and Powers of Ten, they didn't have to do that anymore. Yeah just kind of a funny little side thought that was one tangent that I had thought about there's I have another tangent later and I'll try to keep it quick. And then, so X-Force 10 just ends with Jean sleeping with Logan. I don't think they slept together. You don't, Uh, you don't look at the last cell.
0: Yeah. In a hot tub. That last page. She's
1: on top of him. She's sitting in his lap. Yeah. They did the freaking Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> the smoke. and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's drinking a beer.
1: She's she grabbed a beer. She went to Logan in the hot tub in very small bikini and she gets in his arm, takes takes a swig, says that she's out. And she's like, you're the poison to me or whatever. And he's like, maybe you need a little poison to keep your life balanced. And then it cuts to a pull scene of her sitting on his lap yeah. in the hot tub. Yeah, you can't tell me that's not happening in the next yeah. page. Yeah. They didn't run out of yeah. space. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. So what do you think of the Logan gene chemistry historically?
1: I never saw it. Like I yeah. always, I always, it it always seemed like a uh, Doug funny Patty Patty Mayonnaise <laughs> love. Like yeah, he was beyond obsessed with her, but she right. never gave it back. Right here and there she did, but it was it always seemed like a uh, very um, platonic. Uh, we are like war brothers kind of thing. Like we've yeah. been through a lot of shit together. We have a bond, but we're never gonna hook up.
0: I feel like a lot of that has to do with just I think. Gene Grey has just not been given enough character development over the years. I think the, the theory behind it and like the thing that the writers and, and editorial, like the creators always point at is like, Jean is going back to like the dark Phoenix. Jean's stories have often been about this very sort of sexualized dynamic of power and control. Mm. And you know she's this person with immense powers, and it kind of, she gets like a real rush out of it.
1: Yeah, you brought this up with uh, Madeline P- Pryor a lot, right? And so
0: Logan is the contrast with Scott, where Scott is all control, and Logan is all passion. Mm. Her role in in that love triangle is kind of to explore these different aspects of herself, but she's just never been, in my opinion developed well enough as a character for that to be a conflict that you see rather than are being told.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. You know,
0: they, they tell it, they don't show
1: it. Well, I feel like a lot of that has to do with the fact that they just keep killing her. Exactly. She never just has the chance to explore that. Yeah. It's funny. Cause the only, so I mentioned it every freaking week, but like the, <laughs> I've read almost all the comics from the last now 20 years. Yeah. I've only had one now two titles with an adult gene. Yeah. There was new X-Men way back in the early two thousands. Right. And she was very much her own woman. She was an independent woman. She didn't need no man kind of thing, but she had this like rivalry with Emma Frost going on because, because he was, because Scott was cheating on her. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But like, well, oh, and you also about, didn't
0: read, you also didn't read the end of that.
1: No. And yeah, I haven't read the third volume, which is okay. I'm not going to spoil terrible. it for
0: you, but there's like, there's like a gene moment and the Logan moment and like, okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, so like the frame that I go to from, from that gene is when the agents from one show up or whatever the bad military guys are at the time. And she's like, you need to get off my lawn. Oh, here you go. The food you just ate now back up in your in your mouth. You, you just threw that up. Also, yeah. I'm gonna send that back down telekinetically and have a shit out, have you shit that out real quick. Yeah. Um, please leave. And That's like disgusting. And, right. But like that serious badass gene is what I think of for like adult gene. Right. And then I get all new X-Men, where they get the time shifted young gene. And they right. spend a lot of time figuring out her character. Yeah, And because she's this time-shifted one, it was before she even had any romance with Cyclops and she saw how bad that got. (laughs) And so she's like, no, I'm going to push that down. I'm going to figure me out. Yeah, And so you get a lot more character development with that. And then you get X-Men Red Jean, who was going to bring about world peace and apparently has forgotten about that plan since (laughs) uh, Powers of X. (laughs) Of course.
0: And also I think a lot of it ends up that she's dead so often the times in which she's been dead being the times in which more naturalistic character development tends to take place, like during the latter half of Claremont's run and during most of the 21st century so far, (laughs) Uh, the nineties were a pretty blank time for character development. And then also just comic industry sexism and skittishness about female sexuality. Like if, if this is supposed to be such like a deep part of her character, but they're too giggly or or prudish to to show it or really. It's still,
1: it's still a statement for a woman to own her sexuality. Right. And not, and
0: not just, and you can't like, yeah, exactly. That's the statement is she owns her sexuality and not like, all right, let's get into it. Like, Yeah. 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 What makes her tick? You know, why is she find herself drawn to these two characters? And why is this such a a central conflict in X-Men?
1: Right? <laughs> yeah. So to throw an extra wrench in this, yeah. uh, time-shifted Cyclops yeah. dates X-23 for a bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just... Just full, to throw that full, out there.
0: Uh, getting that fourth if side. Logan, that if Logan drive, were, love were love a
1: woman, love. maybe yeah. it would have been the other way around. <laughs> it's basically what we're saying. Right. We being Marvel, that's not me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, so, I mean, we spent almost half an hour on this first issue, but... It's all good. Um, <laughs> it's weird. I, weird. I, I'm I not a huge fan of this Don of X Jean Grey.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, maybe just... I'm coming out of the point where like so much of her character development has been lacking for so long that like whatever they do with her, I'm like, cool. This is Jean Grey. but
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like the serious calling beast out Jean. Cool. But like every other time she's been used in these three issues has been so stoic. Yeah. I'm like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, Uh,
0: Moving on to Excalibur.
1: Yeah. Excalibur issue number nine. So my first note that I wrote down is that Brian Braddock is kind of acting like an addict because he doesn't have the shield or the amulet anymore. Like he shows up trying to find something outside the lighthouse. Oh, yeah. And he's in this like cloak and like Betsy gets out there and she's like, Brian, what are you doing? And then he just like looks at her like, I've been caught. And then he just (laughs) leaves. Like he's acting like he's got like withdrawal from the chosen one amulet thing. That was a weird scene. Yeah. It was so strange. Like it had no other payoff. Right. It just was a scene that they made sure to put in the comic. Cause I assume it's going to happen later. It's going to be a conflict later. Right. And so I just wanted to mention that. Absolutely. Yeah. So we can come back to this later. <laughs> <laughs> just place, place that little, little seed right there. Um, so sorry, starlight Citadel. Are you familiar yeah. with what happened with the Captain Britain Corps? No, nope. I can tell you. I saw it. These do, yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, it's
0: just, it's just it's- all I got was was uh, Betsy in this issue being like, "Yeah, they're all dead," or the narrator captions being like, "Yeah, it's all been destroyed." And I'm like, "I right, cool. right
1: for such a big corps, it doesn't make sense." <laughs> right yeah. so so for those that don't know starlight citadel is i think it's in Otherworld. world it is another um, world and it's basically the base of operations for all of the captain Britons from all the realities yes. so every single earth has a captain britain and their base of operations is starlight citadel and so if they need to they can go and help other realities and be mm-hmm. multiple captain Britons in one reality blah blah, blah. so while they're at the Starlight Citadel, some of the Captain's Britons start noticing that their worlds are disappearing, mm. and this is what's going on with all of the incursions, with oh. leading up to Star uh, to Secret Wars. Wars. Okay, and so all these incursions are going on. More and more Earths are colliding with each other and exploding entire realities. While that's happening, is when the events of Spider Verse are happening, and because there is a Spider Man. Captain Britain, and at one of the heights of the Spider Verse story, the Captain Britain Spider Man goes back to the Starlight Citadel to try to be like, "Hey, I need help fighting these inheritors. Can some of the other Captain britain's help me out?" Hmm. And they're like, "Um, no, we are losing hundreds of Earths by the minute. Like, yeah. we have other shit going on. Opal Luna Saturnine. She's yeah. like, I will allow you to go and deal with this." But you need to come back as soon as you can to help us figure out what's going on with all these disappearing Earths. Hmm. And so by the time Secret Wars happens and all of the realities are gone, except for 616 and 1610, which is the ultimate Marvel (laughs) universe. Right. And and then we get Battle World. All of those other worlds are gone and all those other Captain Britons have died. Hmm. That's what happened to the Captain Britain Corps. They died to the incursions of all the realities falling apart in Secret War, leading up to Secret Wars. Interesting.
0: So in this, Saturnine on the Starlight Citadel is, they're basically noticing that Apocalypse is doing some terrible magic things and everything's breaking and she's putting together just sort of the response from her followers meanwhile megan is infiltrating the akaba cult and Uh pete wisdom is involved and jubilation targaryen watches (laughs) (laughs) watches baby dragon shogo get shot with a magic
1: arrow yeah those are my only other two notes is shogo got shot down and then Pete's, the look on Pete's face when he's, when they said my girl or your girl, I don't know uh, yep. what girl they're talking about. Cause I, think... I thought Pete had a history with Kitty. Yeah. Does he also have a history with Betsy? No. It's a, um, no, am aware of. oh, and by the way, the awful wizards didn't say anything about your girl. And Pete says, my girl. And she says, Betsy, but I yeah, I don't, I was confused there, but yeah. I also, I never see any P- Pete Wisdom stuff. He was more heavily involved in your era than mine. Right. <laughs> um, and he's and so already I being phased out. So yeah, I don't believe
0: he has any history with Betsy. It's so yeah, I have no that idea. That was odd. Yeah, very um, odd.
1: But other than that, really nothing really to uh, write home about, if you ask me.
0: Yeah. The only other thing I have here is the reveal at the end of the issue. Of the protectors that Saturnine creates, the, the new Captain Britain Corps, which is alternate reality versions of Jubilee, Richter, Gambit, and Rogue. As Captain Britons. As Captain Britons. And then the the Krakoan translation for the bumper for the next issue <laughs> says they're not even British. Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> I don't get that. That's which not is- on mine. It's going rank come there. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah.
1: That's hilarious.
0: Yeah, I uh, I I read that and I I cracked up cuz that was like my first thought. I was like, but they're but they're not British. Right? <laughs> and the, the very next <laughs> the very next page, the preview just translates to they're not even British. That's
1: amazing. Um yeah, so basically Saturnine is building up her church follower forces to take back, quote unquote, the kingdom like Camelot in Otherworld from the mutants because mutants are getting... So there's a mutant Braddock even just... There is a mutant on the throne of Otherworld and there is a mutant Captain Britain. (laughs) And that is causing some strife. Absolutely. And Saturn 9 is not a fan.
0: Right. Even though the people that... She elevates to Captain Britain are also mutants, but.
1: Well, so I didn't. so just from that, I didn't know if she, that was like a vision of the future or if that was just her being like, this is what I'm going to do. Right. And then given we don't have what to, we see happens later. But like, yeah, there's we, we get the yeah. in the very
0: next volume of Dawn, we get the next issue. So we don't really have to dwell on the mystery. But yes. right.
1: It was because what she was saying is to put a stop to whatever madness threatens the balance of the omniverse, I'll destroy whatever I see fit. And she's holding this pouch that we don't know what's in the pouch. And I don't think it was revealed in the next issue either. Right. I feel like she still just has this pouch and it's just this mystery thing. Anyway, yeah, things moved for this team. Right. Yeah, that's kind
0: of just my overall feeling of It's It's really telling its own story. Yeah. and isn't really part of the larger narrative uh, until eventually I'm certain it will be.
1: There are swords,
0: <laughs> X of swords. Sword, is, yeah,
1: swords, apocalypse, yeah. all that good stuff. Yeah. So the next issue is Giant Size X-Men Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. And I only have two notes about this and they're not very big takeaways. Yeah, I also only had two notes. Okay, so mine are Cedri living at the mansion. I don't know what they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my note i my <laughs> my
0: note was i should fucking know what these are and okay, then i looked it i up was on the really
1: <laughs> i was fantasizing about you telling me what they are in this pod because i've have, read no i've never seen them
0: i've read them before i looked it up on okay. the wiki. i was like oh yeah they were in like two issues i've it's, never
1: seen them before
0: they're basically i think they were like it's just another cool alien
1: looking thing that dave Cockrum liked to draw Got it. um so, for listeners, not viewers, yeah. Seedry <laughs> C- C- are a race of bounty hunters yeah. that are all small, little, they, they're the shape of junior mints with, <laughs> <laughs> with a glowing uh-huh. red slit for an eye, and I think four or six like spider like legs. Yeah. And they're small. They're like the size of half of a head. Yep. And turns out that there's an entire infestation of the old X mansion, just living there, just doing their seedry life. Uh they want to go home. They want to go back to their home planet and they don't have a way back.
0: Yeah. So their previous they were hunting down Corsair on mm. behalf of the Shi'ar Empire, and that brought them to Earth. And that's how they fought the X Men previously.
1: Oh, Ileana finds out that Warlock is alive, and Doug and yes. Ramsey are two separate entities. Yes. And then they say
0: secret has to stay secret.
1: Yeah. And we're about to find out why on the page. Doug is about to tell Ileana what's going on. Yeah. And then we and don't gets involved, freaking get to know it. And the end dog is like, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, Ileana, we'll have to talk about this later, but I promise you I'll let you know. And you're like, yeah. son of a bitch.
0: <laughs> so quick recap here, because I feel like we should tell what the story is to our listeners who didn't read this. <laughs> Kurt and a small team, including Cypher, iBoy, and Ileana, go back to the X-Mansion, the original X-Mansion in Westchester, which they've since abandoned, for Krakoa, but there's a gate there. It's all overgrown and in disrepair. There's some weird things going on and they're investigating and it turns out that it is an infestation of Sidri. The Sidri are willing to cut a deal to basically be able to stay there.
1: Part of why the Sidri showed up is because the Krakoan gate keeps on going off Mm -hmm. and there's a mutant reading, but nothing ever comes through. And so the team goes to investigate. That's why they're there. Right. And the CG turns out that somebody showed up at the mansion to try to use the gate to try to get to Kokoa, But then the CG thought they were attacking. And so they grabbed whoever this person is who ended up being a mutant and uh, ended up copying their ability. Their mutant ability is telepathy based. And so it created this like weird hive mind sort of hive mind defense mechanism thing. And so anyone that shows up, they start seeing visions of like some of their worst fears, this, this, Mm that, and the other. And then that's when Doug uh, Cypher gets involved and he can speak any language because that's literally his mutant power to a degree, (laughs) depending on how you define it, and finds out that they have a mutant in the seedry nest, and so they go and rescue said mutant. Yep. And... The deal that they come to is we'll take care of the mutant. So you don't have any more of these disturbances. You guys can live here. Just stay clear of the Kricoan gate. Yeah. And this mutant is Lady Mastermind. Yes. I think I feel like her last name is Wingard or something.
0: It's so there are, I'm going to have to look it up, which Lady Mastermind this is because there's Regan and Martinique Wingard. Aha. Uh-huh. The one
1: I'm familiar with is Regan okay. Wingard. I feel yeah. like she was the latest Lady Mastermind. The costume seems to match. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, with a name like Lady Mastermind, you think she was a bad guy. She was an X-Men for a bit also. She's also been a villain. Yes. I feel like she was introduced as a villain. Her outfit
0: is very villain. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Martinique's a redhead.
1: Okay. Yeah. Reagan. Because Reagan Reagan familiar.
0: Is, Reagan is blonde.
1: Reagan sounds familiar because I remember them referring to her as Reagan when she was on the X-Men. Right. It was only I don't, it was only one volume of X-Men that I had that she was on, but it was the same storyline where Mystique was an X-Men yep. and Iceman brought himself back from Mist. Right. And Lady Mastermind and Karima.
0: But she uh, ended up being
1: a traitor on that team. Yeah. She ended up turning against them. Yeah. So that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. So other than that, not a whole lot to write home about. Yeah. But, Um, you know,
0: fun little side story. Yeah. Fun little side story. Hickman Hickman teasing us with secret must stay secret. We know that we get reinforcement after that issue, that panel and that issue of X-Men where Cyclops walks in on Cypher and Warlock being separate. Mm-hmm. Um, we get reinforcement that this is a capital S secret. And it's yeah. something that is going to be capital I important later.
1: <laughs> yes. And now Lady Mashmind is on Krakoa. Yep. Move along. Um, moving along. Next. Hellions issue number one. Oh boy.
0: Hell- I, I will say really of, enjoyed
1: Hellions. Of the 18 issues or however many issues we've read this week of Dawn of X, yeah. Hellions have stuck with me the most. Absolutely. Well, we got a full arc of Hellions. We did. We got four issues over these yep. three volumes. Uh, we only get the first issue here. And man, it was a great time. It was a great time. Yeah. These were my favorite
0: issues of, of the week as well. So the premise largely of Hellions is that there are some mutants who just don't fit in polite society. <laughs> and. If they're left alone to their own devices in paradise, they're just going to cause problems. They're just going to stir shit up and they're going to be antisocial and violent. And why not, you know, take them for a walk, basically, get them out of the house, let them exercise some of their violent impulses and do it in a way that's beneficial for Coca-Cola even.
1: Think of it as a less official suicide squad for those that don't know this, but no suicide squad for Marvel. It's more of like a Thunderbolts kind of thing. Yep. It's like, we have these guys who are clearly bad. They care about nothing more than just getting what I want at the expense of anyone else's life. Yeah. But they are mutants and they must conform to some degree to Krakoan society if they can't, they will be exiled and fed to Krakoa. And so, <laughs> um, <laughs> since you can't fight your violent or anti-quota tendencies, let's just point you in a direction that it could be useful.
0: <laughs> and that's and,
1: really what it is.
0: Yeah. And so, the roster here is Scalp Hunter kind of takes the role of the main character. Okay. John Greycrow, former former Marauder, go ahead.
1: That was the thing. So his design, I swore was Scalp Hunter, but they never called him Scalp Hunter. He's always been John Greycrow in this series, yeah. and that—that that was my number one question. Was <laughs> I wanted to ask you, <laughs> is this Scalp Hunter? It's a Scalp Hunter. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. All right.
0: Yeah. Former Legacy Marauder, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he's a very interesting character to me, and I'm. And we'll get. We'll get to him in a sec, and then Empath. One of Emma Frost's original students on the Hellions, and he has powers over controlling people's emotions and phenomenal note on him that I want to explore in more detail in a second just the way that they introduce him as part of the team. Wild child, AKA Kyle Gibney, who listeners of the pod may recognize him as being an altogether quite stable member of X factor in the on late nineties. Yeah. On your in way. my, in my timeline of reading, he, he has been messed with so many times in terms of, you know, how feral or animalistic he is. And he's in full regression right now. He can talk, but he fully observes pack dynamics always looking to assert alpha dominance or be made subservient, totally feral. Nanny and Orphan Maker, who, have you ever read anything with them? No idea who they are. I loved their usage here. They were like some of the weirdest villains. They really showed up in the latter half of Claremont's run kind of like the last, I mean, he was on the damn book for 16 years, but they were really in like the last five years or so. And that period of X-Men history was marked with a lot of fights that the X-Men couldn't win. Just like they fight and then lose and escape basically. And I think they never actually beat Nanny and Orphan Maker, but you never get a full backstory as to either of them. But Nanny has this obsession with like, she was involved in Inferno because there were a lot of mutant babies that were kidnapped, Cable being one of them, mm-hmm. as part of the you know demonic sacrifice to bring Limbo to Earth. So she was trying to rescue the babies. She also captured the X-Men, regressed Storm to childhood, and then tried to do creepy nanny thing with her. And then when she escaped, was hunting her down across the country so like written is very powerful but there there isn't a whole lot to their presentation that would suggest it like nanny is just a an egg with lipstick well and she's she's like a Humpty dumpty yeah orphan maker has a big mean looking suit of armor but like never gets cracked you can't seem to do anything to it and yeah yeah
1: and they're mutants apparently
0: Apparently. Orf- orphan maker, I think it was the case of what Nanny is trying to do to all of these mutant babies that she's trying to raise is put them in a suit of armor and have them be her soldier children in some sort of weird, weird way. But a lot of it, you know, again, almost all their appearances were in the late 80s where naturalistic storytelling wasn't really at the forefront of anybody's mind. Right. So, and then uh, the two... Yeah. Wild cards of the roster are Psylocke, who, One. so the whole thing is gathered by Mr. Sinister, uh, and he's kind of the, the puppet master of all this. So Psylocke is on there, presumably due to the favors that she owes him coming out of Fallen Angels, butterfly, yeah, yeah, Fallen Angels, yeah, and then Havoc is on there. Because of some weird incidents where he seems to lose control. He's got some real rage issues. Real, real, real issues going on. He doesn't, but he doesn't seem like he's fully there. Like he's not totally in control of, I don't know if it's like rage dissociation or if there's some sort of like mind control, telepathy, post-hypnotic suggestion going on. Mm. but he basically nearly kills a human on a mission and they scratch him from the active roster of X-Men and say, go to this team with all the violent people, essentially.
1: So the conversation to basically, well, why don't we throw them on a team is held by the quiet council while they're all being judged. Like they, Mm -hmm. they brought them all as a group to be judged and- I'm only bringing this up because I don't know where else to put this, mm-hmm. but Sinister and Exodus going at each other about mm-hmm. their epaulettes or whatever these things are called. <laughs> uh their, their, their shoulder accoutrement. Yes. <laughs> <And> sinister, like, <laughs> Mr. Oh Sinister's
0: or- shoulder ornamentation will not be outdone. <laughs>
1: yeah. The fact that he f- refers himself in this third person, he just like sinister is like basically kind of making a joke out of this entire like situation yeah of and people his- being put on trial and like Sinister is like well if i have to behave everyone else has to behave damn it and if yeah. they're not going to behave we may as well just exile them and then exodus is just like oh hey look sinister is talking are you all shocked and <laughs> yeah. then sinister just looks at him he's like are your epaulettes getting bigger you want to go down this road? I will be on your ass every step of the way, <laughs> Mister Sinister. Mister Sinister's shoulder ornamentation will not be undone. And mistake is just in the back, like fuck. She <laughs> says, "Kill me."
0: Full face palm. And then, oh my god! Dude. And then you see the next panel is is Shaw and Emma's reaction, and they're also just cringing. And Emma's yelling, "Please, God!" Back to the point at hand. So yeah just that's the just kind oh of that's that's a feeling for the tone of this book right it's yeah it's very funny and just a lot of room for characters to just do their thing and be just very like outrageous versions of themselves yeah. and sinister's characterization is really front and center like i was talking to because uh, this is one of the books that i actually bought in paper on Demetrios's recommendation. Demetrios is the owner of uh, Anyone Comics. And he was saying, yeah, yeah, this this book is great. uh, You know, what they're doing with Mr. Sinister is great. And I was like, oh, are they keeping up with the sort of Kieran Gillen's characterization of him as this like foppish Victorian dandy? And he said, (laughs) they went a step beyond that and turned him into literally Kieran Gillen. (laughs) (laughs)
1: oh that's amazing yeah (laughs) yeah uh so the writer of this is zeb wells yeah and uh, not being as educated in writing as other people on this podcast um (laughs) i get the same kind of feeling from how he writes his comics as taika watiti does his movies Mm. i'm just like Mm mm-hmm comedy and like you're here you're having a good time mm-hmm. and then every once in a while you're gonna get slapped in the face with something serious yeah and you're like what but yeah. like it doesn't throw the overall story off yeah like you're not like there's too many messages going on Blah blah blah. like right. you're having a good time you're having a good time like sinister is talking about his shoulder accoutrement <laughs> and then going directly into how do we deal with these psychopaths that are mutants that we can't kill
0: and specifically the, the first and deepest example that they use is empath. empath. Yeah. And oh my empath is one of those villains. That's just very unsettling to me. Like Fenris, just very, just, oh, just icky, squicky.
1: Well, the evil times. he does is straight faced.
0: Yes. You see the, just the look on his face in this first scene, what, so he's on trial. He says, I don't know why I'm here. I was just having fun. And then it goes to a flashback of him on Krakoa. What was uh, his crime kind of a thing? Yeah. What was his crime? And he's making his fellow Hellions fight each other for his, for Quote his unquote, for sport. Yeah. yeah. And the look on his face is just so like privileged little shit. It just, <laughs> oh, it just makes me uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Um, he has, he definitely has a very, almost kind of like, for other people who don't know, like kind of like a Draco Malfoy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Excellent. fight. Yeah, for I'm him. above
0: all this. And then it shows the full flashback scene of the fight and him being brought in. And then you get to one of those all text page cutaways where it gives some backstory and it's notes on Manuel de la Rocha and The Not to read the whole thing, but the the takeaway is basically we become socialized based on the reactions of other people. We do something bad, people respond to it poorly, and we learn that that's not something that we should do to other people. Empath has power over other people's emotions, which means he doesn't ever get the feedback of when he does something maladjusted or antisocial Mm -hmm. uh, or just
1: plain fucking evil. And his X gene activated at a very young age. Right. So like he didn't even have like the child, the the quote unquote normal childhood of learning that these are bad things. Yeah. He's always just, oh, well, people didn't have a negative reaction. Yeah. Like, can you imagine being a little shit when you're seven Yeah, and people just being like, well, okay, you're good.
0: Yeah. It says, no matter how hurtful his actions, he only experienced love and adoration in return. His insults would inspire affection. His violence, adulation. His sadism, devotion. No action was so heinous as to alienate him from his peers as they were under his thrall. Environmental cause and effect, the emotional data the mind relies on to form its reality disappeared. Manuel de la Rocha is a warped, profoundly unpleasant young man, a danger to every mutant on Krakoa. But the uncomfortable truth of his case is this. A violent sociopath was not gifted the X gene. The X gene created a violent sociopath. Knowing this, what do we do with other mutants whose gifts and their expression are intrinsically antisocial? How do we rehabilitate them without fundamentally rejecting their mutant identity? Just- That's crazy. Incredible. And it's such a, like- Yes, he is screwed up because of his powers. They're not enabling him to be screwed up or, right. you know, enable they're, they're not enabling him to, you know, act out power fantasies. They are the they are the cause of his power fantasies. So it's
1: just so, it's crazy.
0: And and then the way that they deal with him on their mission, well, I guess we're not there yet. Um, this first issue is just the formation of the team and all of the pieces of the roster coming together. And what did each uh,
1: member do to get them to that council meeting Mm -hmm. basically.
0: And then saying, Hey, we do have our first mission. We have to go back to Sinister's orphanage in Nebraska, where Scott was raised and for a little bit, Alex before he was adopted and we have to destroy Sinister's cloning labs underneath because resurrection protocols, there can only be one source of cloning of mutants anymore, and that's Krakoa. So that was a cool way to sort of set up a conflict here. And and to use the specificity of the Krakoan status quo for a conflict was really cool.
1: With John Gray Crow, who apparently goes by John and not Scalp Hunter. Yeah. Can he just make any gun from his like tech side, the tech half of his body? Yes. Is that what that is? Is is that his mutant power other than
0: his healing factor? I have him up on the wiki here. Technoformation: The mutant' power to manipulate mechanical components, assembling them into a variety of different configurations by modifying their shape and construction. He, he typically wears a costume that gives him easy access to a wide variety of components to man, manipulate. He regularly assembles a wide variety of firearms and projectile
1: weapons from his vest. That is so cool. Yeah. That is so cool. I'm so glad that Wells likes John Gray Crow so he can explore him some more so I can end up liking him as much as I do.
0: <laughs> I It's an incredible work to try and rehabilitate John Gray Crow as a character because he was as bad as they get. I mean, he was the de facto leader of the Marauders.
1: Right. He was the field leader of yeah. the
0: Marauders. Yeah. For the mutant massacre. And you can talk about like, oh, this character can be rehabilitated, this villain, whatever. It's because a lot of them haven't done a whole lot of like plainly terrible things on page. You know, their violence is mostly afflicted against heroes, but he killed innocents and many of them and showed no remorse and no, you know, he's a very stoic and straightforward character. It's hard to get really a sense of what makes him tick and his rehabilitation here did they do a flashback for him or did he just join yeah. because it was marauder okay what was his flashback? No, he fought
1: um oh uh, a bunch attacked, of morlocks yeah. on krakoa attack yeah. him because it was the anniversary of the mutant massacre right so it was self-defense kind of
0: yeah so he just kicked their ass apparently. yeah so yeah erg callisto and i think beautiful dreamer and a couple others anyway yeah there's a couple yeah and he won't defend himself to the Quiet Council. They say you attacked a defenseless group of Morlocks, victimizing them yet again. Haven't you caused enough pain? And his only response is, "Guess not." <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, I seem to remember he had some character moments and a little bit of rehabilitation during Matt Fraction's run on Utopia. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. Right. Re- I don't remember with any, I, and I'm mixing a lot of that up with Avalanche, who opened a bar. Yes, but
1: in San Francisco, in San Francisco, right, right, right. So there's, there's a mutant town in San Francisco. Right. Yeah. Uh, And Avalanche opened a bar there. Yeah. So in this issue, we do the background of each character and then we go back to the quiet council Yeah, and you have like two pages of sinister, basically playing the crowd and being like, give me a team. <laughs> yeah. But like, I found it very interesting <laughs> of just like, just, just say, sorry.
0: Mm -hmm. just really quick this monologue from sinister here everyone relax unclench please eyes over here i've had an idea (laughs) yay oh clean up those poopy pants scotty i'm here to save the day come on you're so much prettier when you smile yeah
1: (laughs) because so scott gets word that havoc is on trial with the same group of psychopaths as these other people because scott for one doesn't know what havoc did right uh, he wasn't there Alex put like three people in the hospital and one is in like critical condition or something. And so that was another thing I, I wrote down. I was just like, killing a human is immediate exile. Zero yep. questions asked. Yep. And Alex is the only one in this team that almost killed a human. Right everyone else was fighting other mutants right, right. it was like yeah. infighting but right. alex almost killed a human if he did this wouldn't even be a conversation at least that's what pop says <laughs> but so sinister gets in here he's like these mutants have only known pain and suffering except for havoc who has no excuse but and just those random little side comments are hilarious but says uh they know quiet only in carnage, peace only in violence, tranquility only in insanity. If that is how they best express their gifts, who are we to stop them? Is not to the expression of their mutation a birthright?
0: Yeah. Which is so fundamentally part of the philosophy of Krakoa.
1: Exactly. This is an intractable conflict otherwise. Right. And Sinister being the genius that he is, like literally, Sinister is... The second oldest person on the Quiet Council, by the way, only after Apocalypse.
0: Yeah, that's a good Uh, point. Oh, no, 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 Exodus. Is Exodus really? Yeah, he's
1: from like the Middle Ages or something. He was born in like the 1400s. Oh damn it Okay so you, you have Apocalypse And then you have Exodus And then I don't know When Mystique was born But she's a few hundred years old And you have Sinister who was born In the what like I think it was 1600s 1700s You had 18, his backstory it, He
0: was born It was the 18 Like 50s 1860s That he became Sinister So yeah. And he was human then So Yeah you know, So he was born, born Like bad. early
1: 1800s Yeah <laughs> And so He knows how to work a crowd Is, is my main point But like just from that, isn't this their birthright? Using those keywords, like he's he's the king of marketing, and you have Xavier saying we have not yet codified it in Krakowian law, and Magneto's just like, but we will. And Sinister might have a point here. Yeah, maybe we don't kill them for expressing themselves or exile them for expressing themselves. Right? Is there something else we can do? And basically, it comes out with Sinister being like, "Let me." Point they're crazy where it needs to go yeah this is now not even an x-force team but a like homicide black ops team (laughs) that like they're gonna deal with humans (laughs) right but like oh my gosh and then so scott protests and gene being on the council is like scott shush yeah we're going to discuss your objection has been noted yeah we're gonna talk about this be gone (laughs) and it ends with basically there's a new note from i think i think all these notes are from beast right it feels like so yeah and there's just a note of just you know there's therapeutic value in carnage is one of the main quotes Uh, and like using violence to calm the beast yeah
0: and then a better phrase there's also a note in here violent overreaction is the ideal These are bulls and the world is a China shop. We don't let them out of their pen unless the goal is lots of broken China.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I read the minutes from the quiet council meeting and I agree with Scott, but now that I've slept on it, I do see the faintest shimmers of wisdom in giving Mr. Sinister a team of troubled mutants. Do you? (laughs) 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 I'll tell you the last time Sinister had a team, a lot of people died. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so Cyclops approaches Quanin, Psylocke, and is like I need you to keep an eye on these guys yeah. and I know that you will do what needs to be done, including on my brother, but please be a little easy on him, but keep them in line So you have Quanin approaching Sinister being like, let me be the field leader and Sinister's like, yeah, okay
0: um, And then Grey Crow approaches Empath and he says listen very closely I think for a second, you're using your powers on one of us at any time, for any reason. I'm going to shoot you between the eyes. <laughs> and then Peth goes, sure, grandpa. Ha ha. Understood. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they go off on their mission, and then you get a view into what's going on at the orphanage. And there's the big reveal at the very end of the issue. It's Madeline Pryor doing all sorts of weird ass shit in there.
1: Now prior with what's referred to as legacy Marauders. Right. Now like, that there's, there's a really new the, Marauders team. Yeah. The first Marauders that we as readers have been introduced to right. back in the day. The the Mutant Massacre Marauders.
0: And yeah. they have been, because they were Sinister's team, they've been cloned and recloned so many times that this is kind of par for the course or standard for these characters to be clones and involved in something like that.
1: Yeah, but yeah, that was that was a great first issue for a new series. Incredible. So much fun. Last thing on this volume is yep. Mu- New Mutants number nine. Yeah. Um, I didn't have too much to write home about this. Me neither. My only okay.
0: note here was I might make that Loxa this week. Ah, yeah. One, mine- of, one of the full page text notes was Glob Herman's Loxa recipe.
1: Yeah, it doesn't sound too bad, honestly. Yeah. It looks kind of good. My only note, it's a flashback page, but it's Ileana confronting Cyclops and Cyclops being like, Hey, you almost screwed up in Pilgrim, Nebraska. One of the new news storylines. She's like, yeah, but we didn't. Yeah. Yeah, But a human died at a human's hands. And then some humans went to the hospital. Yeah. And it could have been worse if my team hadn't been involved.
0: Right. And it's interesting to me that she has this position of power on Kirkoa. She is a captain uh-huh. and she reports to Cyclops, but she's a team leader, a field
1: team leader. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I don't even know where it says on here, but I just have the quote, one captain to another because Cyclops is a field leader himself. Right. Right. <laughs> and she's just like, we made the least worst case scenario happen. Right. But she's lead my team. But she's a really interesting choice for that because she wasn't a leader
0: initially in New Mutants. I guess she's gotten a lot more prominence in recent years, right? Since they brought her back throughout like Bendis's run, she was kind of like a strong number two for Cyclops. Yeah. But yeah, just kind of an interesting choice. Also, I think we can go straight from this into the next issue of new mutants is the first issue of Don 11. Yeah. We can kind of do these together. Cause they're, you know, a self-contained story, yeah. these two issues together. Uh, and three it, issues. Three issues. Oh, right. It's two issues of, of new in, mutants in and Don 11. 11. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's basically your standard, like new mutant activation causes widespread chaos story. And they've done, yes. That's you exactly know, what it is. innumerable numbers of these. the girl who's, Causing it is this little brace faced girl with sort of weird dreamlike nightmare powers and appearance. I thought the character design was really cool. It'd be it cool to see original. her. Yeah, it'd be cool to see that character return, but it ends with her kind of in this weird dream state holding tank being cared for by Maxime and Manon who are trying to give her good dreams so that she doesn't, you know, yeah, cause another disaster.
1: My only notes for the three issue arc are like random things that I saw as opposed mm-hmm. to like actual story elements. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> well one, so I didn't know what Wildside's powers were.
0: Yeah, he's a deep cut. Former Mutant Liberation Front member, he's another one of those characters who's—he's not like deeply unsettling like Fenris or Empath are. He's just gross. He's just gross, <laughs> and I don't like him. Well, uh, so, like, but I've but this never is like,
1: read an issue with him. Yeah. So, his and he's first- always just sorry. He's just—he looks like a negative, like a photo edited version of Wolverine because he has the same hair but it's white yeah he's scrawny right and wolverine is bulk he's always just been like oh that's discount wolverine apparently his name is Wildside. moving on i've never seen him on that i know of in any issue that i've read in the last 20 years
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and just the fact that your first introduction to him in this storyline is him cutting his toenails on a coffee table with a half eaten sandwich right there. And he's cutting his toenails with a pair of scissors. It's like full (laughs) size pair of scissors tells you everything you need to know. And he's in this like dingy apartment, just gross, gross character. Great.
1: (laughs) And it's just like, great. That was
0: your reveal.
1: (laughs) Like that was your
0: final page reveal as well. But, but, but sweet deep cut, you know? Yeah. 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 Other things gonna, that
1: stood out armor being able to wrap her armor around everyone. Oh, yeah, that's new.
0: And also, her having when she gets in the nightmare realm, she has a vision of her parents and her powers are ancestor based, and right, it really shakes her like after the, yeah. the whole thing is over. So, that's something to monitor in future.
1: Yeah, future but that seemed odd to me. I, I wonder if it's just because. We've never seen her mourn the passing of her family. Yeah. Because the last time she had a family based incident was her entire family was having a uh, family reunion in Japan. A giant monster was attacking, and then the family reunion got exploded. So everyone in her family died, and so she got this huge boost in power because somehow her mean power is connected to her family lineage, and her armor got super big. And she basically did a Godzilla fight in Tokyo. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and took him out. But like, we've never seen her grieve the loss of her family. Mm-hmm. So maybe like there's going to be this whole like, yeah, I've pushed it down because I've never had to look at them. And then in this nightmare bubble, I find right. I actually saw them yeah, and it's yeah. all come back up, but it just it seemed out of place. Like it seemed like she overreacted to seeing her dead family, considering mm-hmm. that she's done so much since her family's died. <laughs> right. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: So I just, a real quick note on wild side here, apparently his powers are hallucination inducement. He has the ability to disrupt a person's sense of reality. The hallucinations don't just disrupt the target senses, but the target's mind itself. So probably at some level telepathic. And then he has sharp claws superhuman agility and reflexes right. at you're, one you're point
1: like he cookie cutter yeah. <laughs> right, right 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 yeah <laughs> oh i made a note okay one mondo taking on the armor energy seemed odd to me but i'm not very familiar with mondo so Mon- is he basically yeah, like is- a crusher creole Absorbing Man yes. kind of thing. yeah mm-hmm. but his is a mutant power
0: <laughs> yeah but he can absorb physical objects into himself and then like retrieve them later as well Okay. So it's a little more. And and generally, I don't know if this is just because most of what I've read with Mondo is him being a plant clone in Mm -hmm. generation X, but like, it seems like his powers are a little more like naturey. Like he's generally absorbing like a natural, natural substances. concrete.
1: Yeah. Right. Okay. I also have on here, it was just perfectly timed that we read it this week, but chamber physically spoke. Oh, yeah. And so he's no longer the quietest member of the X-Men. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> so basically, yeah. for anyone who's been in this nightmare bubble, when they come out, their mutant abilities don't really work until they like have a nap. And so Chambers, psionic energy inside of him that's continually blowing up out of his mouth and his chest isn't going off right now. And yeah. so he physically speaks. So he still has a mouth apparently. Apparently that's, that's actually not how it's portrayed in any earlier. Else ever. Yeah.
0: In anything else, Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, absolutely. and he's always complaining about how like, yeah, the first time I used my power
1: it blew a hole. And so whatever. Yeah. But he's no longer the quietest. Anyway, oh yeah, and then just Hisako being Hisako's armor for those who don't know. Yeah. But being able to manipulate the armor like it's a fluid. Also, that's the first time we've ever seen that. Like it's always just been right. armor. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And Ooh. she can go bigger or smaller, and she's been able to make like weapons or like a shield on it. But like she wrapped it around Wildsides fingers so he could reach out and touch the nightmare girl and then like open up just so his fingernails could come out so he could make physical contact like right that is yeah levels of armor manipulation that she's never shown before yeah for sure and then the last part that's actually going to be taken (laughs) up in future issues is when we talked about the second new mutant storyline with beak and angel yeah there's a website that's called docs Yep. That uh, with 1X. With 1X, where people can go and report mutant sightings. And it's basically like a crowdsourced mutant hate group. And because Docs was used both in this storyline and in that storyline, the New Mutants' new mission from Iliana is going to be to go and fight that website. Or like take it down, basically. Right. We'll see how that goes.
0: We'll see how that goes. And it's also interesting that they get intelligence from that website. You know, like, yeah, they use that. They use it to their own. Yeah. To figure out where each other are. And yeah, that was an interesting touch.
1: Mm -hmm. Shall we move on? Yeah. So this one you ended up reading because of how you get your comics.
0: Right. I read Uh, by accident.
1: This is Wolverine issue number one. And also the backup story to Wolverine one. Yeah. So Wolverine number one. Yeah,
0: I, I have to admit, I didn't reread it for this. I, I have my notes from last time, but.
1: That's fine. I only yeah. had a couple of notes on this too. But the, the main point is Omega Red is involved now on Krakoa because I didn't know he was a mutant. I don't. think
0: Yeah. Yeah. He is both mutant and super soldier. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But like, wow. you know, Soviet super soldier.
1: Right. (laughs) So my first note is I still appreciate that Logan doesn't trust Krakoa. Yeah. Doesn't trust this utopia that they've got going on. Omega Red is basically used to get Wolverine to France where there are vampires hanging out which is why I pulled up this side comic. Not side comic but it's it's, (laughs) it's side to Dawn of X because Avengers Volume Three was called War of the Vampires, mm. and this is the current Avengers squad. You've got like so. This is recent, yes. Okay. So it's led by Black Panther. You've got Cap, you've got Iron Man, She Hulk, Ghost Rider, Blade, Thor, and Captain Marvel are your main characters okay. here. <laughs> Just those eight people. But uh, <laughs> so so Dracula and Cap have a history together from like back in the World War Two days and stuff. You know they have history point is the way it's framed is the different factions of vampires are rising up because no one can find dracula and so each seem to be vying for control of the rest of the vampires and then they find dracula he seems to be weak and so dracula approaches the avengers and is just like help me captain please you know me Just Mm. you understand the balance that I bring to the vampire like world and yada, yada. So help me out. And they're like, fine. And then it ends basically with that was all plot by Dracula to inspire all of the vampire sects to become one. And now he's at the head of that. And he and the generals from each of those sects are now hanging out in Chernobyl. They, uh, so the Avengers were like, you can hide here, Dracula. You're good. The vampires won't find you here. And then it just ends with the generals showing up and they're like, you good? And they're like, yeah, we're good. Thanks. Bye. So he calls it the kingdom of the vampires. And they're basically setting up shop in Chernobyl in Ukraine. So that's the last time we've seen vampires. And then you get to here in Wolverine issue one and they're in France. And so... There is a slight discontinuity here, but that just seems to be where this story is starting to take place. The takeaway from the issue is they want Logan's blood to give Dracula the ability to go out during the day. (laughs) <laughs> is the start of right
0: this. yeah yeah yeah
1: and at first it doesn't seem like it's dracula himself because he's in the shadows and like is very small in the pictures that they're doing but in the, in the end it has dracula outside during the day and it is revealed that dracula sent omega red to yes krakoa to get logan to france to take logan's blood and for doing that Dracula gives Omega Red a carbonadium synthesizer.
0: Right. Which is commonly referred
1: to as a C synth.
0: Yeah. Which (laughs) is the thing that Omega Red needs to basically get
1: his body to stop killing him. Yes. uh, Because he has carbonadium in his tentacles. Yeah. So, yeah. For a first issue, it's kind of meh for me.
0: Yeah. So the couple takeaways I have, one is Dracula's parting words to Omega Ren, which is join them, but obey me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Two, super nun Louise seems like an interesting character, maybe. Oh, that lady? Yeah.
1: Yeah, we'll see.
0: We'll see. All of the weaponized vampire killing things are a little played out with like, oh, it's a UV gun. Oh, it's a holy water grenade. I feel like that's all been done to death. Yeah. But, and then I just love the Paris catacombs as a setting.
1: It's yeah.
0: Yeah. I've been there. I it's awesome. And it's such a great place to set stories.
1: Yeah. I want to see where it goes. I'm not huge on Wolverine being involved with vampires. It's a weird fit.
0: You, you can do Wolverine in, so many different things right he fits with spy stories he fits with straightforward superhero stories he fits i, I know i've done this a million times before world war one world war two samurai like a, a, everywhere nature rugged survival old west, yeah. like beast he, stuff
1: yeah like, yeah you know, feral stuff just civilized any, you can stuff. you can <laughs>
0: drop them at any point in history
1: being a teacher yeah being a mentor
0: right yeah father figure it's just he's such a versatile character already that why 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 are you taking him to hell? Why are you having him <laughs> fight vampires? Like, yeah. you, you,
1: do, you can't be out of ideas. There's so many places to go. So anyway. maybe they're going to do something new with this. Yeah. The last thing is I really like the last page with the breakdown of blood work and the mm-hmm. science of that. And so it basically explains why Dracula or a vampire would want Logan's blood because of the way logan's blood works it has specifically regenerative effects but decreasing amounts the longer it's been away from his body it explains like a b o positive and negative and the makeup of the blood cells of each of those and how they work how they interact and then like how many different types of variations of blood you can have and then how Logan's blood is an X factor to all of that, and it throws all that science out the window because yeah. Logan's blood changes to whatever it needs to be in order to help heal and blah blah blah, and it can be described as the opposite of vampire blood, which is stagnant and does not do any of right. it. <laughs> right. Uh, and so right. it was it was cool to have just kind of explained in like a black and white kind of
0: yeah little techno babble into into your yeah. Mm-hmm. For
1: sure. So yeah, Excalibur number 10. Oh, yeah. I had more questions than I did anything else.
0: Yeah, I had some questions as well. My notes were mostly around Jamie Braddock in this story. And just the particular way that he screws with reality and creates alternate and bubble realities.
1: Yeah, so I had so much fun with Jamie being one, resurrected and two, showing up. And then me asking you literally last giant size episode, like, what is Jamie Braddock? Yeah. <laughs> Why do we care about him? And you talked yeah. about like mega level mutant, reality warping, blah blah blah. Mostly um, just
0: walks around in a diaper and believes that the world around him is not real. And yeah. just and just breaks things for fun.
1: And you really get to see him just kind of be Jamie, apparently, yeah, in, in this issue. And that was crazy to watch.
0: Yeah. Um, and just this idea, like forgive me for being amused by my own pocket reality. They break off from the main one so easily, so long as you hit them hard enough. Uh It's just like, that's just like such a cool description of his how He looks at it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And so my first note made me so upset as I was reading because I have so much faith in my choice in Don reading that (laughs) when Kate Bishop or when Kate pride showed up, I was like, excuse me yeah (laughs) why is kitty here yeah why does she have a flying ship yeah what did i miss did i read this out of order right what is happening i I was heated similar (laughs) questions yeah and then being the good little reader that I am, I just kept going and it <laughs> all gets explained. <laughs> and so my note is Kate out of nowhere. And then the next note is oh Jamie's <laughs> duplicating realities. Okay. And and <laughs>
0: that's how the the Excalibur members become Captain Britons. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So in the scene leading up to the four Mutants becoming Captain Britain's.
0: Sorry, which also means that Opal Luna Saturnine is having some sort of manipulation of Jamie or is sifting through his... She sees what he's going to do or is doing. Yeah. Yeah. And is able to pull out things for her own uses, which is cool. Um,
1: Yeah. And so for a reminder, just one for ourselves, two for our listeners, everything camelot and other world related is magic yeah and telling this mutant based story in a world of so much magic is really interesting <laughs> it's it's a real like
0: mishmash yeah. yeah it doesn't always work but when it does it's cool it's, to see it, yeah the, they clash the hard.
1: yeah yeah you know you have someone like dr druid who is magic and controls plants and then you have richter who yeah. is a mutant that control well, controlled Earth, but now it's a little more planty because he's a <laughs> druid now. <laughs> but like, you just have the same outcome with different origins and mashing those two together. Yep. That's been interesting. But so, uh,
0: so this story ended up mostly just being an alternate reality tale origin story of how these other Excalibur members became Captain Britain. Yes. In, in their respective alternate realities, which were
1: caused by Jamie. Yes. So one note I have on there is how does Gambit stop a missile? <laughs> because question. he did. Yeah. His powers are very simple. You, <laughs> you take. You, you make take bomb. The, you throw bombs. You take the potential energy of an object and you turn it into kinetic energy and it explodes. Yeah. That is his abilities. Yeah. <laughs> He's a thief. He's he's acrobatic. Blah, 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 blah. He was a horseman of apocalypse. That's not important. We're talking about his <laughs> mutant ability. So when you have Captain Britain with a psi shield and you have a missile heading towards her and you have Gambit saying, Captain, look out. And he puts his hands out and stops the missile and the missile dissipates. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway. <laughs> But yeah, my last two notes on this issue are, so what's real? Right, yeah. it's just the standing question. If yeah. we're branching realities, but we're telling all four realities at the same time, are we bringing them back to what we understand as the main
0: reality? I think so. I think this issue was, I mean, except for some of the Jamie bits, because he's sort of the originator of, of these pocket realities, these splinter, mm-hmm. and, and the takeaways from what Opal Luna Saturnine's doing. I think, yeah, this is just sort of a quick alternate reality story to bring these characters
1: back. So you have Jamie breaking realities to create Captain Britain's, thus recreating the Captain Britain Corps. And you have the last quote of the entire issue being Opaluna Saturnine saying, Death to the Captain Britain Corps. And you're just like, what (laughs) is. What's yeah. It's yeah. um, The only other note I have on here is that they're explaining Jamie's abilities as creating reality incursions, uh-huh. which are fundamentally. Incurs- the incursion the exact, is a loaded word. It's the, fundamentally the exact opposite of the incursions that we had <laughs> in 616 with Hickman also at the head. I'm surprised he let this go because he's the head of X <laughs> and he coined incursion in 616. But right. whatever whatever yeah so next we have hellions 2 and 3 and
0: then hellions 4 is, is the first the issue first of, issue of, of, 12, of 12. 12 so we can we can talk about the rest of this series together
1: yes let's do that the very first page is my first note and it doesn't have much to do about the hellion story itself so i just want to talk about it real quick yeah i've been under the impression that mutie is like the derogatory slang word, yes. like the N word or yeah. cracker or yeah, totally insert racist term here. Right. On the very first page of this second issue, they have a black cop calling them muties. And I felt that that was very like, that took me out of it. Hmm. It, it blew my mind that they would have a black cop referring to another race by their slang name in all seriousness that he is actually prejudiced against the mutant kind. I mean I've I mean there's met, there's I met plenty of
0: black people who are racist against other people of color.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it just it just it's like but yeah. It just especially as a cop.
0: Yeah. Like oh no especially <laughs> as a cop you're gonna be racist.
1: <laughs> this is that just, that just it really threw me off. Yeah. I, it like did not stay right with me. That I noted just, it,
0: but... Uh, you did? <laughs> but it didn't feel off to me. I mean, I See, didn't put I... it in my notes. It's like, it it definitely like stuck with me as I was reading.
1: Yeah. So one, this is a product of 2021 and the last <laughs> couple of years of racial issues really hitting the forefront in like social media and America, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so I say that because... It feels to me like that is the first time I've seen a black person say (laughs) mutie.
0: Oh, I've, I've
1: seen it plenty. They, they throw
0: that word around a lot. Yeah. they do. like, like especially leading up to operation zero tolerance, Mm -hmm. you know, to show that anti-mutant hysteria is at an all time high. Yeah. Yeah. Like Cecilia Reyes is, uh, you know, everyone in like the hospital with her who's, everyone around her is like yeah i gotta get those muties out of here blah 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 right and but like you know they're all like I, black and dominican people
1: in the in the oh, box okay yeah. yeah see like i always think of like mlf and and friend and friends of humanity and right like other 99.999 percent white groups <laughs> yeah Using yeah. the term mutie. i mean i think that like the
0: organized political violence is definitely uh, against minorities is a, a you know a tool of white supremacy and very consciously used that way as a tool of human supremacy as well yeah but i think garden level like prejudice they do make pains to not discriminate although i guess yeah. if you're a cop and you have garden level prejudice you know you are part of organized violence against (laughs) right (laughs)
1: yeah it just it really threw me off and like i felt bad because i was excited to read the next issue of hellions yeah and then that was the first page and i was like interesting huh like it just it just it just didn't say and i don't know why people wouldn't know but i'm black (laughs) 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 so uh so it just it just it really it it just irked me and like It's not that it took away from the story. It's more just I honestly I paused and then continued reading. Like I took a second, moved like made a a real note. I wrote it down. Literally, I have two notes from issue two. And one of them is Black Nudie Hater first page. Yeah.
0: Well, even before that is my first note. And that's I'm really enjoying these epigraphs from Nightcrawler. At the beginning oh, yeah. of each page. This
1: quote from Nightcrawler? It's yeah,
0: fun. And it feels like sort of like part of the text of his mutant religion.
1: Yeah. 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 So because they didn't do that with, did they? I don't think they did that with issue one. I don't know, And remember. so like yeah. issue two starts with this quote from Nightcrawler. And so I was expecting to see Nightcrawler in this issue.
0: It it It, it does. It the does. issue okay. one starts with it. I have it right here. It says it is folly to create an Eden. If one has no use for snakes. Oh, that's, that's a hell beautiful. of a quote. I know. Seriously. So, like, and then the second one is those whose violence you do not understand have often seen horrors. You cannot
1: imagine. Yeah. Like these are some deep quotes. Yeah. And the fact that they're crediting nightcrawler is just the most beautiful, magnificent thing. I fucking just love kiss. nightcrawler. Me too. Um, but every time they do that, I'm thinking, oh, we're gonna come across Nightcrawler. This is a quote from Nightcrawler from this issue. Oh, right. And no, it never yeah. does. And I'm like, oh, so we're setting the theme from Nightcrawler. But where are these profound quotes coming from? Oh, well, he did say I have to create a mutant fucking religion. <laughs> and it's not like
0: Hickman to, to show it him doing it. He uh, he has to get the idea and then it's what is the word, endogenous to the story. It's
1: part of it, it's already done. <laughs> God I just I love it so much. So yeah, we start off issue 2 with them getting to the orphanage to take out the clone lab that apparently Madeline Pryor is in. Yeah. But I don't think sinister knew that. Right. It seemed like not. And then real
0: <laughs> they get inside and nanny starts doing trying to do weird nanny shit to John Greycrow and they notice that empath did it and no warning no you know second chances nothing like that gray crow shoots him in the in between the eyes just like you said he would
1: oh my god dude
0: <laughs> just immediately <laughs> like they're barely even the in the front door to start their <laughs> mission seriously
1: and i love that the first <laughs> quote is havoc just come the, calm fuck, the on. fuck on <laughs> just straight up i warned him <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> quantum's just like ugh, i'm gonna have to fill out a report let's move so good oh my god again yeah. it's ugh, that should be a serious moment <laughs> right. but like the fact that it was empath you're just like yeah that checks out considering the breakdown they gave of empath and what they're probably going to go do and the fact that they're going to have to deal with madeline Pryor. All right. Right. (laughs) I can see it. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: they investigate the creepy place and they find the clones. They find Madeline. The clones are all zombified and they start fighting. And weird things start happening with Havoc and his mind. Madeline starts manipulating him body and mind.
1: Yes. So when we see the clones, the zombie clones for the first time, Yeah, we get another one of those full page notes of a breakdown basically giving you a single line introduction of who these legacy marauders are. Right. And this is the first time, and I don't think this is on purpose, but it is what it is. They describe one mutant with the name of another mutant. (laughs) Because they do blockbuster strong and his description guy. is strong guy <laughs> and i was like oh guido where is he where is he <laughs> love to see um, me some guido but yeah that was honestly my other note is blockbuster strong guy lol <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah kind of more explanation
0: of like we can't have these sort of imperfect generational loss, clones of clones of clones running around. We want to bring these people back, but as their best and original selves. My next point of interest is uh, Nanny gets tipped over. Yeah, she's <laughs> on she's her stuck, face. she can't get up. Also everyone sees Nanny's lips and like screams and like shudders It's like over and over again. Like what is that thing
1: that has lips? The next issue, you have Wild Child, Wild Side. Wild challenging... Child, not Wild Side. Wild Jesus. Wild Side. Was... Have... <laughs> yes. Yeah. Too many, too many <laughs> fucking mutants. You have Wild Child challenging Quanon for being the alpha, and yeah. she handles him real quick.
0: Just real quick, to because now I want to read all of the epigraphs again. Nightcrawler's quote at the start of issue three is, I do wonder which binds us more, Xavier's ideals or the trauma of being a mutant, the dream or the pain?
1: Yeah. Which binds us more Ugh.
0: yeah so you get some backstory of madeline nothing that i have it hashed out over and over again just how dirty the comics have dealt her um yeah she, she takes away havoc's mouth and then he cuts a mouth back open for himself with a piece of glass yeah and he's got like bloody stump lips bloody no lips yeah for the rest of the dude then she makes out with him and kisses his bloody
1: stump lips so gross so so gross in that scene a lot of that is madeline talking about what she's been through which again we've hashed out plenty of times but like i started to compare her to pinocchio a lot Mm, mm -hmm. like she was created she wants to be a real person
0: yeah oh like and more like ultra like
1: (laughs) yeah there are no streams on (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) but like she has this like in my head it's kind of like a grim fairy tales pinocchio right that's the feeling i'm getting from these scenes in the clone lab this mission and it's Uh, um
0: scary there's a note here about Sinister has a measure of control over Psylocke, but Psylocke wouldn't have done this if she didn't think that she could get the upper hand. The real scary thing is that how we gave leadership of this team to somebody we barely know who was raised from youth by a mystical ninja murder cult. (laughs) Yeah, she was raised by a hand. Yeah.
1: Which we got in uh, Fallen Angels.
0: A little bit, yeah. Again, I'm happy that we had that character study for her going Mm -hmm. into this because now like i wouldn't have known who that character was right at
1: all otherwise i have this page marked that kind of dives into madeline's mm, motivations she's basically winning this fight (laughs) she's got gray crow strung up because i guess gray crow is the one that shot her in the head at some point. yeah yeah she so she's gonna make him suffer so she says i went away then my Mm mind had to find someplace safe but when I came back, I wasn't. He made us like this in this lab, me and you, sending you to kill me, knowing I'll send other yous to kill him. Hey, hey, I'm sorry. It gets funny if you think about it too long. <laughs> but, but enough. It is time for you to die. Yes, you must die. I'll die in pain. And then they'll see. See that I'm a real girl. And I'm so like, oh, twisted. my God. So cool. And, like, uh, the that whole monologue is, like, her... Getting sadder and sadder, and then yeah. something just snaps, and she just gets yeah. this crazy look on her face. Grin. Yeah. And just like, oh my God. Th- that's when I started to get the real, like, horror vibes. Of yeah. Like, totally. Oh my God. Like, I thought this was going to be the fun story. Right. <laughs> what is happening right now?
0: Also, they have Nanny and Orphan Maker on the ground, and they're just beating on them with hammers and crude weapons, and they actually crack Orphan Maker's armor which I've never seen before. And it just okay. shoots this weird sort of like acid gunk yeah. at Scrambler. So yeah, that's new.
1: Okay. So you've never seen that either. Never seen it. That's crazy. And then that note from Beast about Psylocke. So basically it shows Beast being worried about Psylocke being the field leader because when push comes to shove, the the Hellions are going to follow Psylocke before they follow Sinister. Right and it's it's his almost frame of like reference
0: yeah it's not like i'm not worried that psylocke is in over her head i'm worried about psylocke we don't know her <laughs> she's
1: yeah and yeah he's like i'm sure sinister has plans right. but i don't think he took psylocke into consideration here <laughs> yeah, yeah um and his frame of reference for that is like xavier put us together but at the end of the day cyclops was our leader Right. Yeah. Referring to, you know, all of their years as X-Men, like that exact same thing is going to happen here with the Hellions and Psylocke. Right. If Cynch yeah. is not out on these missions, yeah, Psylocke's is right. going to take Alpha. <laughs> the
0: epigraph from issue four from Kurt reads, May I be heard in this. The challenges of the soul outweigh those of the body. Either we befriend the sorrows of the past or they destroy us.
1: Mm. So cool. God, dude.
0: So issue four is kind of like mostly the denouement fight scene, kind of all tying the whole thing together. Grey Crow breaks free. And then Grey Crow just like shoots everybody. goes on a murder rampage, puts down all of his buddies, but you kind of understand where he's coming from with like, yeah, we need to get these terrible clones out of here so we can remake them good and whole, but it's still chilling the way how dispassionately he kills all of his friends. I know. And then
1: it ends with killing and, Madeline.
0: Yeah, Havoc is just deeper and deeper into his uh, psychosis. And there's a a note here like, I never lost my hold on you, did I? One side of me was all it took to rend your sanity to wet threads because he was controlled by her during Inferno too, and like fought against Cyclops and the X Men and all that on her behalf.
1: Yeah. Trivia tidbit. Right? And then her dying breath is just talking about, like, all I cared about was I wanted them to know that I was a real girl.
0: Yeah. And and, and to like, be oh, remembered. She wants to be remembered.
1: And you'll never forget me.
0: Yeah. It's and just, then ugh. he freaks out, loses it, blows the whole place up. Yep. So even after that, he's clearly not all better mentally. He's free of Madeline's manipulations if she's dead, but he blacks out and uses his powers goes crazy and can only just speak gibberish until finally he comes to and says did i do that (laughs) steve Urkel or some shit (laughs) and then they all have a big laugh over being crazy sons of bitches together and havoc joins in the laugh so he's kind of like connecting with this he was the the reluctant part of the team but he's really embracing his role here yeah cool spot for havoc you know how I've been talking about him in 98 and they clearly want him to be this mentally unstable character, but it's a thing that they keep, you know, have happened to him rather than give any reason for it's like, feels like a series of coincidences rather than something endemic to his character. So this was, this was a nice sort of take on that.
1: Yeah. I have a note about the post-mission report. Yeah. Right after all the laughing. Yep. It says aside from the corrupted marauders, Madeline Pryor was felled as a combatant, the subject is a sensitive one, as you can imagine. It's agreed she wasn't human. So, you know, it's John's good. So now the council must decide if she will be considered a clone of Jean or a mutant in her own right. Yeah. A philosophical debate with Madeline's resurrection hanging in the balance. My first thought is like, well, you can go talk to fucking peter parker about whether a clone <laughs> is its own thing or not because it very much is if you if you go over to the spiders if you have um, your own name and yeah yeah i mean ben Riley, but, but then Park, or kane parker
0: do you bring back strife uh he's not dead
1: what uh no nah, he okay well in the last story it was last the cable he's been dead so many times timey wimey bulls yeah well yeah. timey wimey stuff Okay. Uh, Strife was toying with Cable yet again and Deadpool. So this was like, Josh, like two, three years ago, he was involved. I don't think he died at the end of that storyline. So I do not believe he is dead.
0: Okay. So here's a resolution to that question is because a couple pages later, uh, there's a scene between (laughs) Havoc and Cyclops and Cyclops says, Alex, I tried. And Havoc says, so it's a no then. There are protocols. She was a clone of Jean. The council doesn't want. And Alex cuts in. What do you want? And he's met with silence. He says, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. I'm sorry. It didn't work out. Alex says she was a real person, Scott. She existed. And he just turns to walk away. And that's so perfect for like the Scott and Madeline relationship, the way that he just walked away from her. Turns it off. Yeah. Turns it off.
1: But he yeah, says, I mean, just, yeah. just by Krakoan standards, she should have been resurrected. Shouldn't she have? She's she's a mutant and she's her own person. The mutants don't like clones. I get that. But then do you not bring back Laura Kinney if she dies? She's a clone of Logan. That's a great point. Like, but she's not a she's not like an exact clone. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's just so my other takeaway. From this, other than uh, the little <laughs> conversation right after. Sorry, I just want to. I just
0: want to finish this off here. It turns out that sinister was eavesdropping, and he says, "I keep expecting this shit to get old, and it never does. Not once, not ever." And then <laughs> nanny creeps up on him, <laughs> says, "I saw what you did," and he says, "Oh my god! A little, uh, please, a little warning. That little mouth. It's beyond."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, it's weird doing a serious character with no face. Yeah, it comes down to just the shadows and how you frame the yeah. character. Fantastic. But she's just like all those children dead, all those all those mean children thrown away like trash. You're an awful lot of trouble, Mister Sinister. He's like, oh please, I'm the father of everyone <laughs> that gets resurrected here because of my work, my protocols. And she goes, "How many?" He goes, "Huh? How many mutants have been resurrected? How many of your children are there?" I'd have to look at the numbers. Why? When I come to punish you, I want to know how many orphans it will make.
0: And she just <laughs> walks
1: away. And he says, "Hmm, didn't love, didn't that. love that." <laughs> He's like, "Oh my!" <laughs> so yeah, so you've got you've got like vengeful nanny. And again, this is a character I've never seen and I've never read. And she's stepping up to Sinister and threatening some serious threats. Amazing. Like, oh my God. But my other note, which is right before Scott and Alex talk, is you have this bookend of John back on the same beach that he was on when they first show him of him just like watching the sunset, cleaning his guns, Yeah, like just bookending your story with these two John scenes. And so like, it makes me feel like this was a story for John Gray Crow.
0: Definitely. I totally agree. You know, I mean, like a, par- partially a havoc story and partially a sinister story, but mostly a John Gray Crow story.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I loved that because I want to see more of him. Yeah. What they did too. with him in this and knowing now knowing his ability of this like tech gadget thing. I'm so down. I want more of him. I don't know if I want to, more of him to the point where they make him emotional and give him emotions and stuff. <laughs> right. But I like this stoic soldier loves his team. Does it for them? Kind yeah. a the thing. Totally. I like, I like what they got going on there. Yeah. Anyway. And then on there, it says next X of swords. Yeah. So there so we go. There. Getting
0: close. Um, um, Marauders, Marauders. Number 10. I, I love this that one, tempo is making whiskey
1: for her localized time
0: time dilation
1: that's awesome yeah making a 50 year old whiskey in an afternoon (laughs) yeah so marauders 10 and the next issue is x factor number one are where i have the most notes (laughs) okay yeah there's just so much there's so many statements made in marauders number 10 of Mm. just like things for the now and things for the future go through them i didn't have
0: very very many notes here so okay
1: so my first note is, again, with Sirius, Bobby, and Aurora, uh, mm. when they stopped that ship, oh my gosh, clearly they haven't gotten over the fact that these Russians, uh, appear- they think the Russians did it, I guess, I should say. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They think that this Rus- these Russian mutant speedboat people killed Kate Bishop. Oh, God. Killed <laughs> Kate Pride. Right. God, I'm so not used to calling her Kate and there's a Kate Bishop. She's she's Hawkeye. And so when I say Kate, I think of Bishop, not Kate Pride, because she's Kitty Pride, damn it. But whatever. Right. She wants to go by Kate. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> they're clearly not over the death of Kate. And I, I love that because so often they do that kind of rage for a scene. And then that's the catharsis that the character needs and they move on. And so having them continue that rage into another issue and another issue and another issue. Love it. So anyway, (laughs) then you have Emma being all Emma.
0: (laughs) That's such a perfect illustration of Emma's entire why she dresses and acts the way she does, right? Yeah,
1: it, so was, she, it was really well done.
0: <laughs> yeah. So there's a lion and there's four guys with guns that they walk up to and they almost get shot. And she says, oh, this is a job for a telepath, darling. And she un- unbuttons her jacket. She's not wearing any shirt underneath. Boobs are almost showing. She walks out and puts her arms up and uses their distraction to control all of their minds at once. And they all shoot each other in the legs. Pyro says, hot damn. How do you control so many of them at once? And she says, it's easy to control leering monkeys, Pyro, when they all have the same thought.
1: And you're just like, you, it's rude. <laughs> that was so mean, yeah. but so well done. <laughs> it's,
0: so it's also particularly bad with the Kate Pride, Kate Bishop thing, because there are red and white bishops like in this hellfire thing.
1: Yes, we have a white bishop. And we have a red bishop. And the red bishop is Bishop. Carl Bishop. Luke, <laughs> no, no, Lucas no. Bishop Lucas Bishop <laughs> Lucas now Bishop.
0: you're now
1: you're confusing him with Carl Lucas Carl Lucas who's Luke, who's Cage. Luke
0: Cage this is Jesus. this is some weird-ass telephone game of telephone going on
1: <laughs> Marvel characters the fact that I have to know two sets of names for every character except for Forge, <laughs> is already too much <laughs> 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 okay so oh I have a question what is mercury what do you have mean? you seen this the ufo the, the
0: ufo no i have no idea
1: <laughs> yeah. i am completely confused i where did it come from yeah okay thank no you. idea as, as long yeah. as i'm not the only one so anyway you have mercury it's this flying ufo that emma has that christian uses that christian drives christian is her brother he's gay he's dating bob well he's Hooking up with Bobby and he's a mutant. I think he's got telepathy also. I don't remember, to be honest, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe we both missed this. The Mercury is
0: a ship yes. that, and they reoriented it into the flying saucer.
1: Oh, oh, it's her ship? Ship? They're like the sea yeah, ship? The and sea she- ship. Oh, and it changed. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm terrible with the ship names, apparently. <laughs> All right. Well, that's cool. One of the other things, and I understand why this would not show up on your notes. Kate's email to Kurt. Oh, yeah. Subject, where's my fuzzy elf? Yeah. Uh, It hit home with me because she talks about how, like, she's been through a lot and Kurt's always been there for her. And all the stuff going on with Krakoa and why she's not accepted by Krakoa, blah, blah, blah. It bugs her. She starts a paragraph that says, when I slow down to think about it, I just get pissed. Why am I singled out? Why doesn't our home want me? And like, there are parts of my life that suck and they don't bother me until I stop and think about them. Yeah. Uh, like an easy low hanging fruit is just like you know, racism as, as, as a, as a black man, <laughs> like sure. in Santa Barbara, the racism here is not that big of an issue. It's very muted. Mm-hmm. Um, It happens. I get treated differently when I'm by myself than with my white wife at places that we're regulars at. Yeah. Um, It's not something that bugs me until I sit and think about it. Hmm. And so when she started that paragraph of just like, when I slow down to think about it, I just get pissed. I'm just like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I get it. Like she's got a good thing going on. She's doing the Red Queen thing. She's on the counts, quiet council. Like things are pretty good for our little kitty like right we've seen her go through so much and she's doing pretty good right now but when you stop and think about it there's also a lot of you know questions why can't she use the gates yeah why at this point why also can't she be fucking revived like there are things that are really screwing with her and so yep. like that line just hit home and then my last one is all caps Why can't Kitty come back? And you have the very last page of this issue is the five checking in with Xavier and being like, We tried. (laughs) And Xavier's like, That's enough for today. Good work. We'll come back tomorrow. And you have Egg being like, just so you understand, we're not doing anything different. Yeah. I just don't think Kitty can be resurrected. And you have Xavier with his fucking helmet on his head right saying i agree for now please go sleep i will inform the white queen of my decision and then it says next funeral for a mutant she yeah, might not and she might not actually be dead oh and that's what raised my other question of just like can Why you not if, resurrect somebody who's if you can't resurrect someone is it because they're
0: not actually dead right but also she know. never got Accepted by Krakoa, so right? That's so that it. could be
1: another thing. So yeah. it's just, yeah, man, what a tough, <laughs> yeah. what a tough card she's been dealt, man. I know, tough um, to crack. And so my other note on that is, there is a Quiet Council member dead. It's not just Kate's dead. That's true. She is a member of the Quiet Council, and that's she's very dead. true. Oh God, yeah, that needs to not go unpunished. Yeah. And on top of that, the fact that it was another council member that did right, it. But like, right. that needs to not go fucking unpunished. That's not okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Oh. But anyway, so I need more Marauders. I want to see this yeah. story continue on. Yeah, yeah. This is this is turned into one of my
0: favorite Dawn of X titles. Yeah. My other one last note is just that we get to see Mask playing golf again.
1: With, <laughs> yeah, he's just living
0: at this is a golf course. <laughs> <laughs> and with the scientist guy that they rescued on their mission. Yeah. And they keep coming back to this. So maybe there is a, a future plot point to be had here.
1: X Factor number one. X Factor number one. So, real quick, so you have your roster is De Ken, who is Wolverine's biological son you yeah. have North Star twin. I,
0: I tend to pronounce his name Daken because D apostrophe K E a, N is yeah, Lalandra's is Decken yes Laondra's so, yeah.
1: brother and it, it's Japanese and it right. would be pronounced Daken yeah. so good 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 <laughs> yeah I agree so you have Daken and you have Jean-Paul he is a speedster and he can fly you have Polaris you have Rachel Summers who is the daughter of Scott and Jean, and then grown up in the future as a hound or Ahab, (laughs) uh, which we talked about hounds uh, last week. You have Eye Guy, who has... (laughs) uh, Sorry, is his name Eye Boy? Eye Boy, I think, yeah. Eye Guy is the Power Rangers villain. My new Power Rangers. Uh, They both have eyes all over their body. And you have Prodigy. And I will say, because this isn't part of the story, but... Hen, one of his mutant abilities is he has these pheromones, the same kind of pheromones that like Spider Woman has. Yeah. To like get you feeling good, mm-hmm. start questioning. Wait, am I actually attracted to this guy? Oh, right. Yeah. And and um, then he'll
0: just have he'll just sleep with absolutely anyone and anything.
1: Yeah. Hen sleeps with all comers. <laughs> yeah. But uh this is the first time we've seen that I know of, and I'm pretty sure I've seen every single issue that Doc is in. This is the first time we've seen the pheromones actually drawn in. Oh yeah. Every other time it's just this invisible force. And, and like, because you always want to see him have an effect on someone and then them being like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> and so <laughs> it's always been off screen, invisible. An invisible influence. So this in this issue, we actually see him use his pheromones, and you see the pheromones hitting the target. Yeah. yeah side note there. Prodigy. Prodigy lost his abilities on um, M-Day. M-Day. But uh, he was just
0: resurrected, so he has them and back. And
1: turns out he was just resurrected because he died somehow, some way. Not important to this story because <laughs> right. we needed him to have abilities, and so we're going to use that. His mutant ability is he gains the intelligence of the people he's around yeah right? and i think that's it quote unquote it <laughs> right it's quite a bit. um it is it is a lot Dokken, like the knowledge yeah yeah doc also has a regenerative factor and he also has three claws in each hand two above his hand and one below his hand Right. In case people want to know everyone's abilities, Polaris <laughs> is basically female Magneto. Jean Paul is super speed and flight. I guy, I boy, can see everything. We, including we, on, we,
0: on multiple levels of spectrums and stuff. Yeah, of perception. So, yeah. So, we got spiritual, magical, obviously visual, thermal, X ray, et cetera, et, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. He can see literally everything.
1: Yeah, so we got introduced to him. And he's covered in eyes. In Wolverine the X-Men, and he was just some kid that had eyes all over his body. And then they decided to give him some screen time and kind of explore all these eyes. And all of a sudden we found out that he could see like magical traces. He could see infrared. He could see ultraviolet. He could see all the different spectrums. And so they're really just kind of running with, if you can put it on a camera, you can put it in his eyes. Right. (laughs) So that's been fun. So that's the roster. Yes. Um, The central conceit of the book is
0: that they investigate mutant deaths. They're not going to disappearances, right. They're not going to resurrect somebody who isn't actually dead. So they are an investigation team like X-Factor Investigations of old. (laughs) And to be clear by of old, I mean, the, you know, Two thousand four, t- yeah, the the second Peter David run, the two thousand four <laughs> to twenty, you know, fourteen or whatever run, not the nineties team. Anyway, the inciting incident is because of special twin connection. Aurora, w- yeah, Jean Paul intuits that his twin sister Aurora is dead, and he goes straight to the five and says, "Bring her back." And they're like, hey, we've got a queue. We, do you even know she's dead? What's going on? And so he gathers a team of people who would be good at investigating things. Uh, Dakan, Polaris, North Star Prodigy, and Prestige, and
1: iBoy to go ahead and do that. So have you seen Rachel's chrono skimming ability before? No. I mean, I, she
0: has weird time type things just because she's a time traveler. But I feel like it's never been super consistent or spelled out in my reading. That was
1: wild. I've never seen this.
0: That's new? Oh, okay. Yeah. I just, because she's changed her name to Prestige, and it seems like she's kind of forging her own path lately, I, I thought maybe that was part of
1: it. Not that I know of. So I feel like it must have been used like once, maybe twice, because the way she introduces it, she says, so they find Aurora's hotel room that she's been staying in. And they're like, okay, look for whatever we can. And then we'll fi- we'll figure out, see if there's any receipts and anything like that. And she just goes, or I could just, you know, telepathically watch her last moments in here by myself instead. Right. Sigh. Everybody always forgets about my chrono skimming. <laughs> and so like, I feel like it's been used like once or twice. It's even like, a, it's a meta call that authors forget that she has that ability to. Right. Yeah. Because when you have sigh abilities they're pretty flexible. <laughs> yeah, it can be used in so many different ways. Yeah. And and
0: again, to try and make her distinct from every other telepath slash telekinetic on Krakoa, exactly. of which there are legions. So, yeah, they do a really cool investigation with a car crash, et cetera, et cetera. They dredge up the car, they find her body, and they deliver it back to Krakoa, autopsy, report, and determine it was murder and all that. And so on the spot, the five recommends to the quiet council that they turn X factor into a standing team. And they ask Jean-Paul if he wants to lead it. And he says no.
1: And then he says yes, immediately. Mm -hmm. As far as the big picture for Krakoa, there's a page in here that goes into the rules of resurrection. Right. And it has partially black, mainly blacked out. um, (laughs) Of course basically like secret a, must remain like, secret yeah uh, it's just gonna it's be like, my phrase for whole, everything <laughs> it's a 10 article entry in like the user's handbook of kokoa <laughs> of like the rules around being resurrected and the first one is no resurrection will be initiated without proof of death and then that talks about the resurrection queue and the event of force protocol which we don't know what that is i don't think request for proof of death and then this is where they made an addendum to add in if x and then y then you can hire x factor to go and look for this missing person to make sure that they died yeah but there's 10 articles on this article 6 refers to jane or john doe and it has an addendum that's been blacked out so like unknown mutants or something like Mutants lacking identification. Right. Article seven talks about does not wish to be resurrected. Yeah. Then you have eight, nine, and 10, all of which are completely blacked out. Like, thanks, Hickman. Yeah. Well, yeah. One, thanks, Hickman. Two, they've thought a lot about the ins and outs of resurrection. But also, right. three, you couple that with Sinister's argument for having the Hellions, and they're just like, yeah, it hasn't been codified into Cohen Law yet. Like, they're still figuring this shit out. And even just this happens in the first issue of X Factor, but Krakoa has been around for a minute. So they're continually right. updating. So, like, it's not even like these rules are set in stone. Right. For sure. They're, like, there's quiet is figuring this out as they go. Yeah. That's cool. That's, that's cool. But, like, as a citizen, that is scary. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, you broke down kind of like... Yeah, essentially this was
0: a first issue. We'll get into larger arcs and future issues. I assume this was just kind of about the creation of the team and a first mission as a proof of concept.
1: Yeah, so they had to sell us on the idea of this team. And so they really... And they had to
0: sell the Quiet Council on the
1: idea of the team. Yeah, but like this team that they put together have amazing investigative skills. Yeah, all of them. That was great. Yeah, What I'm worried about is that they showed all of their guns in the first issue, (laughs) and that everything we get from here on out is going to be like the same applications of those abilities. But we'll see. We'll Um, see. Lorna basically they get approved, and so Lorna goes to make a basically a home base for two things.
0: First, she has a scene with Magneto, her father, and he asks, "Why didn't you want to be the leader?" And she says, "I have my reasons." so okay
1: yes she does a lot of it seems to be like she wants to find herself first yeah and that's cool because okay super tangent and i'll come back to this but they introduced polaris in marvel strike force okay recently okay but they haven't done havoc and i felt that and so there's a fifth character for x factor that hasn't been announced yet and i was thinking it's probably gonna be havoc because like two-thirds of the time lorna's ever on a page it's as havocs plus one right like i feel like other than exploring her being an actual daughter of magneto right she doesn't have a whole lot of character
0: yeah and so i hope and and like history of mental instability or something but even that's kind of a little overblown yeah Yeah. and so they they have that exchange right here she asks, father if you had to describe my personality what would you say And he's just totally speechless. And she says, it's all right. I wouldn't know how to answer that yet either, but I would like to learn.
1: Exactly. So I really hope that we get a more thought out Lorna Dane. Yeah. I think that it's going to be awesome. And then she goes and talks to Krakoa because she wants to get some metal from Krakoa to build the home base for X Factor. (laughs) Um, and she
0: says, do you remember how we met? And it shirks away. And she says, ha ha ha, no, please, I'm sorry, come back. Because she was part of the team that got swallowed up by Krakoa. She was with the original five that had to be rescued by the all new, all different.
1: That's what I wanted to check. Yeah. Because I wasn't 100% on that. Yeah. And I didn't take the time to go and learn. Yeah. I have marked for Prodigy has a Calvin Klein shirt that says CK on it, but it's in Krakoan.
0: <laughs> I didn't um, catch
1: that. That's amazing. Right? Other than the fact that it's kind of, it's a crop top, I like that shirt. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, um, also one more thing in the history between Polaris and Krakoa. This whole thing where she says, I'd forgotten how mineral rich you are until I was living here and they build the, the X Factor compound structure together with Krakoan metal and her magnetic powers. The resolution of Giant Size X-Men 1 is her using her magnetic powers to shoot Krakoa into
1: space. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, all right. They have a lot of history. Yeah, they do. My God. But yeah, exciting first issue.
0: Yeah. Also- I'm, I'm excited for... X-Factor. Me too. Also, the war wolf puppy. Yeah. Uh, is is around? Uh, Amazing baby. Amazing baby. This series has a lot of promise. I like the tone of it. I like the conceit investigation is a, a much cooler thing to do than just fighting down villains all the time.
1: Yes. Next up.
0: Next up. Giant-sized X-Men Magneto. So Magneto is on an errand from Emma Frost to go find a suitable island for what we don't know yet and he finds one that he likes. It's owned by Namor. They go on a little undersea adventure to fight some giant sea monsters. Proves his worth, Namor gives him the island, and he builds sort of a a Genosha monument, is my best guess for what it is. It's a giant sort of structure building type thing with a giant sentinel face on the side, reminiscent of how Genosha looked when it was destroyed by those wild sentinels. By the giant tri sentinel. Yeah, the tricentinel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's my best guess. Yeah. And that's one of my notes is that building, that tower. I was like, why the sentinel head? I know. So Magneto arrives on that island on a giant freighter. And
0: all of the pieces to make the building are yeah. in the freighter, and you know the freighter itself
1: yeah and, and so he fucking just takes apart the giant freighter and he and all of the shipping the containers and, and i am has that fucking sentinel head
0: i am low-key obsessed with cargo ships and shipping containers as well so i enjoyed <laughs> that also i loved the note like magneto having an obsession with islands He yes! ma- does yes! end up with so many island bases over the years
1: Yes, I had that saved on here. Just him telling this guy, it's like islands have been an interest of mine for quite some time. I've been collecting <laughs> them for years." I was like, "Yeah, you have." But yeah, so he's waiting all this time to buy it from Namor. Namor's like, "You can buy it from me as long as you go on this quest with me." He ends the quest. With this key that's been guarded for like ever. Yeah. And he has the key now. Right. He earned it from the like sea witches. Namor didn't see it. And the sea witch asked, do you have any idea what you've
0: done? Do you care at all what this does? So ominous
1: portents here. Ominous. There's so much more takeaway here than there is from the Nightcrawler one shot. It's like (laughs) we get Seadree at the mansion and we get Lady Mastermind on Krakoa. And then here we have Magneto with an ancient Atlantean artifact key that (laughs) unlocks something. (laughs) And it apparently spells doom or a whole lot of power. And he's just like, yeah, it's mine now. And Emma now has an island off of Krakoa that I'm not necessarily sure anyone besides the two of them know about. Yeah. Like, oof. Also, Interesting that Namor is not on Krakoa. I mean, yeah, I think, he's, I think he, he really got over doing the X-Men thing right. during Utopia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the AVX thing really didn't go down very well. No, um, no,
0: bad times for him.
1: But Namor is a mutant, so technically he is welcome, but he doesn't want to rule from Krakoa. So that was a note. My only other note is in the flashback where he's meeting with Emma about the plan, He lifts the wine bottle and pours for them. And the wine bottle has no uh, metal on it. It's a bottle. Uh, I was thinking about that. I was looking at that. It's a bottle. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) A lot of wine bottles have like foil, like maybe in the label or around the neck of the bottle. Yeah. Or he could have like tiny pieces of metal. that Tiny pieces pieces of metal. That he just like
1: flattens out and uses his holders underneath. It was such a flex because yeah. they're sitting next to each other, and the wine bottle's next to them. And he just could like, just pour it for her. I'm not. But he, pick has this to up. Use, he has use to use my abilities. hands like a well, peasant. Like, um, there's no metal. <laughs> there might be tin foil, sure, but that's not magnetized. That's dumb. Anyway, anyway. that was that just bothered me. <laughs> But overall, I really I liked it. It was interestingly paced. It was a weird little jaunt into the deep. I was thinking of, like,
0: the first X-Men movie where he uses, like, little BBs or ball bearings and, like, flattens them out and manipulates them and uses them for whatever he wants.
1: Yeah, visibly. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. <laughs> Should we bring it on home? End with cable? End it with cable issue two.
0: My first note is, like, omerta and stinger those are some real deep cuts i am impressed yeah stinger was an early x factor villain first appearance in x factor number five june 1986 her powers are bioelectricity manipulation she was part of the Alliance of Evil, Apocalypse's first team, back before Apocalypse had any sort of motivation or backstory at all, and was just a very, very generic villain. And Omerta, he was in the year like 99, 2000, something like that. Basically, all of the X-Men were incapacitated, and Jean Grey recruited and led a mission against Magneto. On Genosha. This was before the Morrison run with Magneto and Genosha. And it was him, Gene, Northstar, Frenzy, Sunpire, and like one or two other new characters or something. I don't remember exactly. But he has like kind of invulnerability powers. He's like a big Italian oaf who is like vaguely homophobic, but like trying to be cool about things or like change, but just kind of ignorant. I don't know. He he seemed like he wasn't around very long, but he seemed like a pretty well fleshed out, interesting character, somebody you could do something with. And then he was never seen again. So Mm -hmm. Omerta and Stinger are a couple Mm -hmm. and they are talking about moving to Kokoa just to get away from all of the awful workaday life details, like paying bills and stuff when their baby child
1: is stolen. And then there's a article from the Daily Bugle, yeah. also using a racial slur, right? Saying "muty cutie stolen," right? And I'm just like, man, like that shit hasn't happened since that like legendary World War II newspaper article that said something about Japs,
0: right? I don't know. Maybe they're trying to make the statement that sensitivity towards mutants is at the same spot now that, now that sensitivity was in the- <laughs> yeah who knows but yeah it's, it is it's
1: just it like get, it,
0: it is a little too blithe for sure like yeah. you're supposed to take this seriously When yeah it's
1: I don't know if unsettling is the right word but like right. it stands out yeah and maybe I, that's I'm by you. design yeah 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 I'm with but you I notice it anytime it's not used in a okay so like plainly one, it's, derogatory insult yeah way. if it's, yeah. it's 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 used conversationally or by another minority, apparently. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, whoa, bro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. My notes are strictly revolve around the cuckoos. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was the biggest piece of it. I love the Philly cops. They were great minor characters in there. And the fact that a Cable comes in and makes demands of them and they make fun of them for being a child. And then- yeah. Cyclops comes in and makes the exact same demands and they're like, hey, we just met your kid. That's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Go eat a cheesesteak. And then he actually does eat a fucking (laughs) (laughs) cheesesteak. That cracked me up. But yeah, basically they're investigating the kidnapping of Omerta and Stinger's kid. Yes. Uh... And they're trying to do their investigations, you know, separate, but they're doing the exact same thing. They're taking the same steps. Yeah. But um, as you said, there is drama and intrigue between Cable and the Cuckoos.
1: So I didn't think about this parallel until just now, but it turns out at some point Cable is now dating all five Cuckoos, <laughs> <laughs> which is weird. One, go play me, I guess, but two Cyclops's son, is dating his ex-girlfriend's clones. That is weird. That is truly strange. Yeah. Good <laughs> hey, point apple, there. Apples and trees, right? <laughs> 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 so, so some things stood out. One, the last time we saw the five cuckoos, they all were branching out and figuring out their own personalities. Right. Right. One dyed her hair black. One went redhead. One clearly was kind of like the rebel. And she was figuring out her own distinct personality out of the five. Because right. when they get introduced to the cuckoos, they all spoke in unison. And they all were just yeah. super telepathic. But, like, they're always referred to as the cuckoos. It's not like, right. here's Esme. Here's Mindy. Right. It's just, yeah, there's the cuckoos. They well, and they, just, uni- they
0: just brought back unison. the
1: other two because two
0: of them died. So two, two of them die. were resurrected on Kirkoa.
1: Yes. And so now we have the Kirkoan cuckoos, and they're all blonde again. They all are dating Cable. So that's one of my notes is that we have the full cuckoo roster because there were some very cinematic deaths before. <laughs> yeah. The one we're following right now mainly is Esme, and Esme can go diamond like right. Emma. Right. I don't think that was ever a thing. Yeah. But on top of that, She can use her telepathy in diamond form. Oh yeah. Which Emma can't do. Emma can't do that. Interesting. That is new. Both of those two things are brand new to Esme slash the cuckoos. We don't know if the other four can do it, but we see Esme go diamond form, which is brand new. And we see her use telepathy in diamond form. So, Worth noting.
0: I was more concerned with <laughs> the exchange here where he uh, says, hey, when I'm with one of you, what are, what are your sisters doing? And Esme says, they do their own things. You're not that interesting, Nathan. Are you worried we're constantly judging you? N- n- no. It, and then yeah. cut back to <laughs> Emma's place and they're constantly judging him. We're going to dance and jiggle on <laughs> this poor boy's broken heart. And they're just laughing.
1: Yeah. And then there's this scene where we get confirmation that he's dating all of them because emma confronts scott about it
0: yeah yeah she says scott did you know what your young nathan is up to and he says hello emma i can guess
1: which one is he seeing and she says
0: all of them celeste couldn't wait to tell me you don't actually think i'm going to let you speak to me with your mind while you sit there and eat that log of meat and bread do you
1: (laughs) (laughs) and (laughs) um but then she's like do not let them break their hearts except (laughs) esme she needs it like, but the look, but the look on her face yeah, is the and most this- like pained kind of caring, like that poor thing really needs a heartbreak. Can I just me? yeah,
0: I feel that you never know somebody who just like, man, you just really need to like, get your heart broken and build it back together again. Like you need to experience some things. And I don't know people who just like have this kind of like very rarefied view on, romance and other people and it's just like you just have to like you just have to go through it you just have to i don't know but it also reminds me how much i love phil noto's art and how he draws faces just Mm. awesome
1: yeah but just yeah she needs it scott and then she even like underlines it so help me she needs it
0: he even puts down his cheesesteak for this (laughs) (laughs) it's the first time he stops eating his cheesesteak the whole conversation
1: but just straight up just like She's basically telling Scott to tell Cable to break Esme's heart. And it's not even a, like, they shouldn't be together thing. It's that Esme needs to be broken. Right. That's, man, I, that's, I, (laughs) I don't know what to think of that, man. It's harsh, but yeah,
0: I guess as for actual plot points, the sword that Cable took, the Space Knight sword, the Space Knights come back right away. And Which they, is impressive. I thought that's yeah, going to take a while. I know, right? Go all the way across the galaxy or whatever. Several galaxies probably. But they blow up the, the house that they're investigating and take the sword back. Cool. And then Old Man Cable uh, has a, Man Cable. a bit of a cameo at the very end.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's also a narration page here. He's got a little journal entry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's still very unclear what he's doing. The hunt. In, in this very apocalyptic place. Is it like a hellscape? Is it a future? He like shoots this demon thing in the head and then rides a robot mount. He calls it the dog toward a giant yeah. skyscraper on fire. So we'll see. Very strange.
1: He's seen less obvious traps. Yeah. So that's so Don Vex. wild, of X. wild. <sighs> Yeah. So uh, that was volume 12.
0: Yeah. There's again, only
1: four volumes of Dawn left. And then uh, it goes to rain. And there's rain, there's Dark Ages. I don't know if that's a big storyline or if it's just a thing. Okay. And then we have X of Swords also. We've got X of Swords coming soon.
0: Empire is probably, it looks like 13 is mostly tie-in with Empire. Part of 13, part of 14. Okay. So So there's
1: four Empire X-Men issues. mm -hmm. Two are in Dawn 13 and two are in Dawn 14.
0: Okay. So I'll wait until you're in Empire. And whatever point in Empire that you read those, I'll read those as well.
1: Yeah. So what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to read just Empire by itself. Cool. And then the next week I'll do all the side issues and that'll include Dawn 13 and 14. Awesome. Okay. I'll
0: be right there with you then. Cool. Is Empire next week for you? No. Okay. Um, you still got
1: some. I have probably two weeks of reading before Empire. Okay. Because I've already done two books. Right. And then I have like... Three books and then Iron Man 2020 and there's like five Iron Man 2020 books. Oh boy. Okay. And then Empires right after that. Okay, cool. And then I'm going to figure out where X of Swords lies. Yeah. I sent you the list of the issues that are in X of Swords. Mm -hmm. I'm going to compare those issue numbers to Dawn 13 to see what happens first. Sure. Because it might be X of Swords. Okay. Sounds good. Which is 18 issues going to be a, a full week of reading or just one sit down
0: right <laughs> yeah I suppose we'll find out
1: oh i'm so excited <laughs> me
0: too me too I uh, love the
1: xbox oh man so next week i
0: have kitty pride agent of shield wolverine days of future past and then continuing on the train of abandoned alternate timelines tales from age of apocalypse sinister bloodlines and then an arc of wolverine and then heroes reborn the return
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. Bringing him back. Oh, yeah. Man. Heroes are born. Cool, 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 cool. I think that about does it. I want to do one shout out to confirmed yeah. listener again, Nico. 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 Our buddy Nico. What up, Nico? He texts me after every pod that he listens to, and he is now buying comics and jumping into it. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I got him started on Mark Wade's Daredevil. <laughs> And Jason Aaron's Thor God of Thunder. Excellent.
0: Very, very cool. Excited to have Nico listening to the pod. And, you know, anyone else, if you're listening to this pod, this is a great reminder. Ask us questions, you know, get in touch. We love talking about everything, not just recaps. So, you know, tying things together, questions for us, questions about Marvel, et cetera, et cetera. We'd love to field them. Absolutely all right anything else you want to say before we sign on off no i think we should end it <laughs> i think we should end this fucker yeah let's go let's get out of here
1: all right man i will right. talk to you soon it was well great we can't end up. it until
0: you tell me where to put the outro music absolutely so. yeah. uh
1: i'm pretty sure we should just put the outro music here okay now i know <laughs> great talking to you ben. oh man i will catch up you soon. sounds
0: good